to the cockpit my name's ryan and i'll be your pilot tonight i am joined alongside my co-pilots i have green bean to my this way and i have matt o'leary to my that way green bean how you doing tonight man i'm in a great mood tonight i'm in roswell new mexico just looking for ufos and ready to talk jets with you two bros see that i rhymed Ooh, i love it i love it matt how you doing tonight <laughs> Good. I, it's always a good time whenever I get to hang out with Green Bean and Ryan and talk some New York Jets football. So let's do it up. I love it. Boys and girls, as you're, way, as you're on your way into the stream, make sure you hit that like button for every 25 likes we get. Nightbot's going to pick a qualifier for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of the stream. If you're tuning in afterwards and watching, just leave a comment down below under the video. You'll be entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway. And if you don't feel like killing your phone battery, feel free to uh, download this on your favorite podcast app. Gets uploaded usually the day after it airs. So, uh, yeah, hang out with us in a, a whole bunch of different ways. So I guess before we get too, too far, I want to talk about your thoughts on the, uh, on the Super Bowl. We have a new Super Bowl champion in the Los Angeles Rams. Green Bean, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a good game. I mean, I thought I expected to see a little bit more scoring, I think, but I love the way that it ended. I, I just uh, it all kind of culminated into watching Matt Stafford uh, and Cooper Cup essentially like stop playing games. It's time to win the game. And then when they had a minute and a half left uh, for the for the Bengals to try to come back and beat them. Aaron Donald put the exclamation point on the game, and I thought it was poetic and beautiful and perfect, and it was exactly how I wanted to see it end. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was great, man. I had a good time, and I took a nap, which is good. Matt, what about you? What would you think of the Super Bowl? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good time. Uh, won some money, which is always a good thing. And, uh, you know, had some good food and uh, just relax and watch the game. I don't know if you guys saw this on your channel, uh, but I've been getting a lot of comments saying that people think the game was rigged, which I just uh, what gave it what from the game made you think it was rigged? I don't know. Am I in the minority here? Did I miss something? I would say uh, you're not in the minority. I think there's a lot of people that don't want to see the Rams win because they've stacked that team. They've loaded it up, I think, because of the play on the goal line. Uh, I don't remember the linebacker and it was called, you know pass interference or whatever and people are like oh you know wouldn't they wouldn't have won if it wasn't for that if they got on the like on that yard line well we don't know they could have scored a touchdown on fourth down because i believe that play was third down not to mention they missed an enormous 75 yard face mask yeah. penalty that that happened for a touchdown so i don't know where people get off saying this game was rigged yeah i was gonna say what what happened to jalen ramsey getting his head ripped off i thought that looked like right. a uh a sure a sure fire penalty so i i don't agree with the rigged i just wanted to make sure i wasn't crazy so thank you for confirming yeah, I, look, if, if I could play out the Super Bowl the way I would have wanted it to play out, I was, you know, I cheer for the underdog, so I wanted the Bengals to win, but I really like Matt Stafford, and I really like Aaron Donald, and specifically I wanted Donald to win a ring, but I'm really happy Stafford got one too. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty pumped all the way around. I, I enjoyed that Super Bowl. I thought it was 
pretty good from from top to bottom. It wasn't like a blowout or anything like that. I feel like we got seven good games to end the NFL calendar season, and I'm I'm pretty happy yeah. with that. Totally. And now it's officially the off season. It feels like the Jets have been in, you know, that we've been in the off season for. I'm almost ready for the off season to be over. It's been so long for us, <laughs> but uh, but it's officially we're two days into the off season now. Now we can get going. Now we can get to work, right? But uh, yeah, I think it was a great way to end the season. It was good. It's fantastic. So I guess let's let's start there. From the time our season ended to now, what has changed for you guys in terms of maybe draft needs, free agent needs, things you think might create a winning formula in the NFL? Because we've seen a whole different sort of side of the NFL and we don't really know what to expect in terms of like, okay, do we go the Bengals route and just load up on offense or do we go, you know, maybe some of the other routes and you, you build up the offensive line, you, you, you go around those routes. Um, Greenbean, I'll kick it to you first. Is there anything different from end of season to now that you think uh, maybe has changed your mind or anything? Well, one thing I can say, not not particularly. I mean, you know, as we now have time to kind of dig into players more, like all year we have guys that we think are at the top or think are at the bottom. And now you start to really be able to watch your own tape and start to formulate your own opinion. So guys are moving around for me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't love Kayvon Thibodeau as much as I once did mm -hmm. um, after watching. Um, I don't hate him or anything, but I just I'm not in love with him. And I happen to like Karloftis a lot more than I once did uh, mm -hmm. as well. But I think, you know, what's interesting about like the Rams and, and what they did, I hope that like them building that dream team, like kind of, they don't have a first round pick for years. They haven't had one in mm -hmm. years. And that whole model, as we know, the NFL is a copycat league. So I'm hoping that a lot of teams are kind of going to go that way and start to try out those experiments and maybe give away their draft picks for, for uh for guys i i hope that that gives us an opportunity to really take advantage of doing it the right way because people are now going to mimic the rams but we know most teams that try to do it that way it doesn't work they just happen to do it in a way that does work and i think that more times than not if you try to build through free agency you know primarily it's going to blow up in your face and i think that'll set a lot of landscape for the jets to just kind of rise through it building it the old-fashioned way which i still think is going to be the right way so that's one thing i'm taking uh from the way you know the rams went in the bowl matt what about you what do you think that you've seen this this postseason has anything changed for you from end of season to to now no, not really at all. If anything, it's confirmed what I've thought all along, which are the things that matter most, which is having an offensive line to protect your quarterback, having weapons for your quarterback, and being able to get after the quarterback are the most important things for your football team, which I think we, we saw from the Rams. And really, you know, all the teams that went far in this year's playoffs for the most part, we saw you have to be able to have a pass rush. Uh, you have to be able to block for your quarterback in big spots. Uh, and you need a variety of different weapons in order to, you know, have a skilled enough offense in this league to be competitive. So to me, it, it kind of confirmed what my thought process already was for what the Jets mm -hmm. needed going into this, you know, offseason. And um, I'm kind of just looking forward to it being at the forefront now. Like Greenbean said it, and it's true. It feels like we've been talking about the offseason for months and it really hasn't even officially started yet. <laughs> uh, but I'm ready to go. I want free agency and uh, the draft. This is our time to shine. Yeah, 100%. If I'm looking at the playoffs and everything that we saw, I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, we definitely need a legit 
like weapon, at, at least one, if not multiple, because you look at the the Rams, they almost lost that game. If Odell stays in that game, they probably there's a good shot they blow the Bengals out. Like Odell yeah. was probably having one of the best games of his career um, before going out. It's a shame he tore his ACL because I he was poised to I think have a, a really big bounce back year next year. Um, but yeah, you, you got Cooper Cup, you got uh, Jamar Chase, Boyd Higgins, like a lot of guys that are are kind of all over the map. And protection, right? Like the reason Joe Burrow was unable to get the ball to Jamar Chase, because I I saw a a still clip and it's not, it's a little disingenuous. So I'd have to go back and actually watch the full, full final play. But there's a still clip of like from the secondary that shows Jalen Ramsey falling and Jamar Chase being wide open, but the ball's already out of Burrow's hand as he's like kind of falling. So if he doesn't get, if Donald doesn't get pressure on him, there's a good chance that's a huge bomb to Jamar Chase at the end of that game. So offensive line, I think is a huge, huge area. We saw it with Patrick Mahomes last year as well. Um, I think that's the way you should build. And I do think that the correct way is to build through the draft. I don't think it's going through free agency. Um, now, that being said, I do think that the, uh, not the Rams, the Bengals will be able to build through free agency because they built through the draft. And now with $56 million in salary cap space or whatever they got going into next year, they are going to be the premier destination for free agents. Like Dalton Schultz, if he's not getting franchise tag, he's going right over to the Bengals. <laughs> That's what I would do if I were him. You're going to get a nice fat contract, and you're going to get to play with a Super Bowl caliber team uh, with a really, really good quarterback and some really good weapons. So it's going to be really interesting to see what winds up happening. I don't think the Jets – it sucks because, like, every year I want to sign, like, a big free agent, and I don't get the feeling it's going to happen at all. Um, Greenbean, how are you feeling – as far as like big free agency, you think we're going to get one? Why would Dalton Schultz want to go to a team that's already established when he can come here and like Bryce Hall and CJ Mosley said, be a part of something great, changing the culture, be the person, be the change you wish to see in the world. As Gandhi said, I don't get it. I don't know why he'd want to go play with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. That doesn't compute to me. Um, I think uh, uh, I think I forget the original question. Now that I made all that crazy shit up, but um, free agents. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think that <laughs> I think yeah. There we are. Uh, I think that uh, Joe. I think that we're going to see Joe Douglas be a little bit more aggressive this year. Again, we've never seen him go into free agency with his quarterback on the rookie contract and his coaching staff in place. And you know, look, we happen to have a little bit more of the foundation in place. Uh, So last year with having multiple firsts, unless he does something else to generate more. So I think we might see a little bit more aggressive uh, free agency going on. And um, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I just don't want to see us go the way of the Patriots last year, spend $200 million and kind of, you know, shoehorn guys in here. But I do think that we're going to see a more aggressive approach and get one, if not more of the top three pre, you know, free agents in uh, any positional group. Matt, what about you? You think we attract a big name free agent? I think money talks. I think someone will sign. There is, um, I think there's enough people, especially when I look at the, the amount of safeties who could potentially be available. I think the Jets will sign a safety in free agency. And uh, my anticipation would be that they'd be probably around the $12 million a year mark, whether or, or higher, depending on who it is. But if it's Bates, if it's Williams, uh, if it's, Quandre Diggs or you know whoever ends up hitting the market that the Jets 
grab. Um, I guess I would classify that as a big free agent. Like, I don't think a Devonte Adams is coming here. It, it kind of is dependent on what you classify as a, as a big free agent signing. Um, so I would say, I would say, yes, I would think the Jets signed someone who's going to get, I don't know, $12 million a year or more. I would consider that a big free agent signing. Yeah, I think we're going to stay somewhere around the Carl Lawson, Corey Davis type mold. Like I could see Allen Robinson for like 15 million, maybe, you know, discounted first uh, number one wide receiver, something that Joe Douglas kind of likes. I don't know. I get the feeling that we are going to continue to build through the draft. And unless there's really like a guy that's young at a position of need, I, I would be surprised if we kind of went after him. But I do think like a Marcus Williams, I, I know Matt really likes him. Um, mm-hmm. That would be a great, great signing for us. Uh, let's see. We got a super chat from super game and chill bros. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says the whole game was awesome, but the penalties at the end killed it for me. It wasn't rigged, just more calls towards the end, but regardless, great game. Um, yeah, look, I don't want to see that call made on the, on the goal line either. I thought that was, I don't want to say it was tough to swallow, but it kind of sucked seeing that happen. Um, but look, there were calls that were missed. I, the, the blatant one, the 75-yarder with the face mask, like pulled across his face, like threw him down. <laughs> like if you can't be upset yeah. about that penalty, there's I, I don't care. All the other penalties make no sense to me. Greenbean, what do you think about the penalties during the Super Bowl? I think that if we don't want to see penalties like that, we shouldn't see guys pulling on jerseys and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that the uh, the Bengals were tense. They were they were stressed and they were trying not to make a mistake. And that's what you see, man. I mean, you know, I'm glad that the refs called it. I didn't want to see penalties either. Let me be clear. But you got to call that shit, man. If if a guy's pulling on your receiver's jersey when you're trying to get in the end zone and they don't call it, I think it's worse than not call If the penalty happened, then it's okay to call it. Sure, it sucks to see it. Well, then maybe those players shouldn't have made penalties. That's how I see it. Matt, what about you? How do you feel about the penalties during the Super Bowl? I don't... It's it sucks, but at the same time, like if it's a penalty, call it. Like it's almost as bad to just let it go. Be like, oh, that guy tackled him at the goal line and he wasn't able to catch the ball. Just let him play, yeah. I guess. Like I don't know. I think there's a line. If if it's a penalty, call it. You know, the ticky tack stuff annoys me, but if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. So I want to throw. Uh, actually, it's Snoopy has two comments that I really liked. <laughs> I'll go to this one first, then we'll talk to the other one. Uh, rumors, rumor is the cap will raise by thirty million. Uh, if so, many guys will be retained by their teams. That would be enormous because we'd have a ton of money, um, which probably means you'll, you'd retain more of your own guys. Like I've kind of pivoted a little bit, and I'm a little bit more on the keep uh, Foley Fatukasi front as opposed to to letting him walk in free agency. Um, and that's kind of because I don't know if we're going to get the big fish free agents. I think we're going to try and keep building this thing through the draft. Uh, cause that way you eliminate the whole, Oh, that guy got this big of a contract. He's not even here. I, I think there is some type of dynamic that we've had to deal with in the past. Um, but $30 million, that's, that's not a really good sign for the jets be, or any team with a lot of cap space, because what do you do? Greenby, what do you think about if the cap raises by 30 million? If it raises by thirty million, call Devontae Adams and give it to him. Right, what do you think? Just go, hey man, I <laughs> found a hundred bucks. In the- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to do. I would be broke, you know, trying to get sober or something. I'd find twenty bucks on the ground and go, well, there you go. You know, now I got booze. Whatever. There you go. So that's what you do. 
Now, I don't know. I mean, are, are they raising it now or like in the future? Are, are they? I, do- I, didn't, was, I didn't. I thought 2023 yeah. is what I heard when the TV yeah. contract kicks in. So I don't know if this is true or not. I'm just more of a discussion topic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I, I think it would be. What, what, what was that? I missed what what was that sound? Did I get hit with a jet? <laughs> it was the little jet <laughs> flying across. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Sorry. I like that we can hear that now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, that was cool. That was my first time like hearing it because I'm on the Could chat. Did you not hear it the other window. way? No. Really? I, no, we couldn't I didn't hear know it. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. That's brand new. You see that? Through me, Fake. man. Through me. Yeah. Uh well that was cool. I like it. Um I think that. It's unfortunate when they do that and raise the cap $20 million while we're, or 30 million even, while we're in this position, when we're, when we've kind of sucked to earn that $70 million and like we can take advantage of it. And then all of a sudden the Pats and the Steeler and everybody's all of a sudden they got enough money to keep everybody. I, I don't like that, but I do like um, that they consistently raise it because I think that these players um, it's nice to be able to have money to reward guys uh, that have earned it. And I, I, I don't like losing guys um, for cap purposes. I don't, I don't like that when guys are cap cuts, um, you know, but anyway, I think I'm glad it's not this year. I'd hate to see it done this year. Next year. Fine. When we use our, our four top 48 picks and we use our $70 million and kind of level it off and everything good, then give us more money like everybody else and let's move forward. But I would hate it if it happens right now. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about if the cap goes up? Uh, well, usually it's more money, more problems, but I don't really feel that way for the Jets. I just want to sign as many people as we possibly can. So, yeah, well, keep raising it, man. How about this? No salary cap. Let the poor teams be poor and uh, let the rich teams spend as much as they want. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly would. how we should go. That's right. Um, that's how the Yankees do it. Yeah. Hey, they, they get the rings. <laughs> Fuck that luxury tax. <laughs> uh it's snoopy comes in with another comment that i thought was really interesting he says let's hope houston is dumb enough to trade laramie tunsil better chance we get a pass rusher to drop how are we feeling about the top three and what do we what direction do we think they go i would say i think i'm i'm still locked in on the jaguars going o-line i think it makes a ton of sense for the quarterback i think it makes a ton of sense for for etn um invest in that line now, as far as the Lions go, I think I'd be surprised if they went anywhere other than Hutchinson. Uh, and then at three, Texans are really the wild card because they could trade out. They could take Hamilton. They could take a lineman if they do trade Tunsil. They could, uh, I don't know. I guess that's really, that's probably it. They could take a tackle, I guess. Greenbean, what are your thoughts on the top three and Houston potentially trading Tunsil and how that could affect us um i don't know i think i think like what you just said ryan that houston is an x factor for me i can see them doing a lot of things and going a lot of different ways if they trade tunsil and they want to replace him real fast is that is that what we're saying so they they can they would more than likely draft maybe evan neal if he's there or maybe icky or one of those guys that would be yeah that would be helpful that that that'd be nice honest to god i'm starting to think that the jets pass rusher is going to be there i don't know if aiden hutchinson um or thibodeau are are the locks that we think they are for the jets i think that there might be a couple other guys that the jets have probably rated 
almost as high, if not as high. And I, I'm not too worried about us getting our player at four uh, and and who we want. But yeah, I'd love to see some mistakes. I'd love to see Jaguars be the Jaguars and Texans be the Texans and like watch them both draft quarterbacks or something like that. And then we just get the pick of the litter. I would, I would enjoy that. Um, but yeah, let them trade Tunsil. That'd be fun. Matt, what about you? What do you think Tunsil trade does for the Texans? Um, yeah, I don't, let, sure. Why not trade Tunsil? Let's go. Let's go crazy here. <laughs> and I'm with Greenbean, man. Maybe someone will make a massive mistake in the top three. Those are some pretty dumb teams in front of them. <laughs> uh, and just well, like you were talking about Jacksonville earlier and uh, Travis Etienne, and that kind of sparked a thought with me. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'd be uh, willing to move on from James Robinson for a day two or day three pick? Because I think he's someone who was criminally underrated mm-hmm. uh, or underutilized last year. And, uh, well, that might be a nice one-two punch with Carter and Robinson if you could throw, I don't know, a third or a fourth round and grab Robinson. And he's still young now. He's He's got to be so. maybe only 25. On yeah, I was going to say, I think he's on his rookie contract still. Hmm. Yeah, I think this was his sec, his second or third year in the league this past year. So, I don't know. I, I would consider it. I would be surprised if they traded him just because I know Trevor Lawrence backed Robinson, but of course he's going to back ETN when he comes back. So they may want the one-two punch, maybe not put as much as much emphasis on ETN because he's got what does he have a list Frank injury? Is that what he had, or did he have the ACL? I thought it was a list Frank. I, don't know. I think it was an ACL. Uh. I could be wrong. Chat will let us know for sure. Um, Buko says Robinson tore his Achilles, didn't he? I don't know if that's true. Friggle D says ACL for ETN, I'm guessing. Yes. I'm, um, I'm almost positive it was an ACL for ETN. Uh, John Perez, thank you so much for the super chat, says Jets senior staff was lights out. Uh, Lions were bad. Well, look, the Lions are bad. <laughs> I mean, so, so are we. But the Jets staff played really really well at the senior ball i was really excited to see what we got out of them uh did you guys see the trailer for the the flight 2022 i'm in i'm all in on it how everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody (laughs) wants to die i love love ron middleton dude i can't tell you how excited i am for him he's going he is going to be the key for the jets unlocking a lot of potential because We've showcased him twice now, the Jaguars game and the Senior Bowl. We're going into a season where we are set to revamp the tight end position. He's our tight ends coach. So it's gonna he's going to get a lot of credit for revamping this tight end room. And then who knows if he has to step in at some point next year. But I think there's a realistic shot that teams are going to look at him and say, hey, he's worth an interview. And maybe it doesn't happen in 2023, but maybe in 2024. And then all of a sudden, after two years of being on your staff, uh, you can redeem a or not redeem you get a third round comp pick if he's signed as a head coach somewhere else so that's something that i think is really intriguing for me the way this is all kind of setting up for middleton uh greenbean what do you think of the senior bowl staff and i guess ron middleton specifically well let me on on ron middleton here's my concern just speaking in that particular number one i love the freaking guy and i'm so glad that we kind of that we got to meet him this year like really meet him you know we can dig into our staff and all that but this was we got a really good window into who this man is and i've enjoyed every second of it um but you know my concern with that is that if he goes i i think that he'll probably get signed as an offensive coordinator 
somewhere first. And then when he does that, that will be the team that ends up getting compensated uh, when he gets a head coach. Now, now, uh, court, I mean, uh, positional coaches do get hired as head coaches here mm-hmm. and there. So maybe that's possible, but I don't know if that's the, if that's the route that it'll go, it'll probably get, he'll get his offensive coordinator position first. Mm-hmm. And that would kind of be a bummer because clearly we're investing in him and making it a point of interest mm-hmm. to kind of put him out front and expose him in this way. So either way, I think it's good because I think the guy deserves it, man. I mean, he is, I mean, if he's nothing, if not a motivator, I mean, and that is, uh, be, that is as clear as day uh, mm-hmm. for me, but I've enjoyed that. I enjoyed that trailer. I enjoyed the whole senior bowl process. I learned a lot. I liked uh, seeing uh, LaFleur talk about someone being legit in Joe Douglas's ear. And I liked your video, Ryan. I'm not sure if you saw my comment on your video. Oh, I did. I said, <laughs> I said now I got to make a, a breakdown of Ryan's breakdown of the trailer. <laughs> Uh, had, you said a lot of interesting things. <laughs> oh, I had someone comment. Uh, they're like, oh, it's like Ryan's doing Marvel breakdowns of, of like trailers yeah, yeah. stopping at each individual. Right. Like I had fun with it. It was, it was a blast. That's cool. It was a good Easter concept. Eggs. Yeah. Something Easter different. eggs. Yeah, it really was. So I enjoyed that, but I think, uh, it was cool, man. And I can't wait to watch flight 2022. It's a five part series when last year we got three so they're expanding it which i think is good but yeah middleton uh either any way you slice it i'm happy for the guy but i would love to be able to get those two free thirds if he got hired as a head coach somewhere uh edward ziff drops in with a super chat edward says sign guys now before the cap goes up uh matt what are your thoughts on signing guys now before the cap goes up I mean, it makes sense, right? Because then it's just, you're just gaining more. I mean, I'm no mathematician here, but Edward has a phenomenal point because, well, then you're just, it's like free money, found money. We love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You, you, you sign a guy, it's almost like signing a guy in season, right? Because if you sign a guy in season, that's before the new free agents at their particular position get their new increase. That's why, why quarterbacks wait. They're like, okay, I want Dak to get his contract. Now Allen will get his, you know, that sort of back and forth. Um, the pooch guy or not the pooch guy, pooch guy. Thank you for the super chat says may not be a popular opinion, but I'd pay Braxton close to nine for the simple fact that you don't take guys away from Zach, uh, or take away Zach's comfort, take away guys that Zach is comfortable with. Hmm. I have a very hard time wanting to pay Braxton Barrios $9 million because there's a few guys in this draft that I do really like, and I'm almost at the point where, like, if Braxton's like, okay, I'm not taking $6 million, I'm walking out. If you want to replace him with Christian Kirk, you might get an upgrade. <laughs> like, I, I I really I like might. Christian Kirk a lot. Will. Uh, Will. <laughs> you get your slot. Like, I think they're going to keep more on the outside. I don't think we're, they're, they're moving more to the slot anytime soon. Um, and there's guys in the draft that I like. So I, I don't want to pay Braxton nine, but I would go as high as probably six, um, and say, look, this is what, this is our, our plan. We'll give you incentives that could hit up to nine. If you, if you perform like a, an elite slot, but like, that's not, look, we want, we want to keep you and we want to give you what you want, but only if you're going to get what that is, get what's earned with that contract. Uh, Greenbean, your thoughts on 9 million for Barrios. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I don't think anyone's paying Barrios nine million. Let's let's remember where the where the comment came from. Like we've adopted it as if it's real. It's not real. It was Rich Samini telling us that he had a conversation with someone who's not 
from Berrios's camp or the Jets camp. It's just a comment. He said that the guy said Berrios could ask for up to $9 million. That's all mm-hmm. it is. So uh, I don't think Berrios, I mean, $9 million would put him in the top 10 of slot receivers in the in the NFL. He's not a top 10 slot receiver. And it would put him in the top, uh, I don't know, 15 of wide receivers or something like that. He's, he's like number 50 five or something like that in wide receivers. So if you give Berrios more than say six and a half, seven at the max, you're, you're paying him for what you think he could do in the future. It cannot be based on his previous output because it does not match. It's, it's a complete overpay. Uh, so I don't think anyone's paying Berrios 9 million. I think it's all fabricated. And I think that we'll, we'll offer him a good contract. And if he, if he wants it, he'll, he'll sign. But I think the point of not wanting to take Zach's guys away is a good one. I mean, they're clearly comfortable and Berrios is clearly talented and versatile and all those things. So we should at least make a push for him to come back and try everything that we can. But if he is asking for $9 million, as an example, I think that, you you know, look, it doesn't make business sense. You don't think with your, with your heart, you think with your head. Matt, what about you? How are you feeling about 9 million for Berrios? I give him 10 because he's cute. Um, (laughs) There's that. (laughs) No, look, that, as Greenbean said, the 9 million one, it's just a made up number. And it's so, it's such a preposterous number. I can't take it serious. Like, that's what I was talking about on Just Jets this week is like, that number's not even close to market value. It's probably almost double what he's actually going to get. I think he's probably at like five, maybe six million dollars, which. It's not exactly double, but it's significantly more than what he's going to get per year. Um, And I agree. I don't think any team gives him $9 million. If he hits the open market, maybe someone gives him seven, but I even find that hard to believe. Stuart Hmm. Necklace. Nekas, thank you so much for the Super Chat Brother. says, after coaching the Senior Bowl this year, if we don't hit on every draft pick, is it the end of Joe Douglas? We don't have to hit on everyone. A good GM hits on almost half of his draft picks. Uh, and Joe Douglas hit on a lot last year. I don't remember how many draft picks we had. Was it nine last year? Ten? Yeah. Something along It was nine or ten. Nine. Yeah. And he hit, you know, comfortably say he hit on ABT, Michael Carter, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, Brandon Eccles. That's five right there. And that's like with the biggest question mark being Zach. He hits on Zach. A plus, that, like that might be an A-plus draft without Zach. <laughs> let alone with Zach. Um, so no, I don't think he's going to have to hit on every draft pick, but I do think the Jets are at a significant advantage coaching the Senior Bowl because there's going to be a lot of guys that we have insight in, guys that have relationships with us. So even after the draft, some of these guys that are going to be undrafted free agents, that's where we're going to attract a lot of talent that you don't see on draft day. Greenbean, your thoughts on how the Jets benefit from coaching the Senior Bowl and how does Joe Douglas have to hit on draft picks this year to, to have a successful draft? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just uh, I know that a lot of people disagree with me, but I, I will maintain that I don't think Joe Douglas's seat has even warmed up. I, I just don't. He's he's in the third year of a six year contract. He got the six year contract for a reason. I understand what people are saying, but it makes no sense uh, to start all over with a guy after you let him take two years, tear down the team, trade away players, build all this draft capital. And then one year into a draft, you say he's got a hit on these guys or he's fired. Like, I I just I that doesn't make sense to me. And I will maintain Joe Douglas is going to be here for uh, five, six years minimum, 
in my opinion, hopefully a lot longer because of success, of course. But I don't think that his seat has even warmed up yet, no matter what uh, the New York beat says or what our feelings, you know, we're frustrated and it takes a long time. And and I get it. But I don't think that he's in any trouble. He's going to be given the time that he told uh, the Johnsons that he needed to get this ship righted. Uh, they're going to give him that time because I'm going to tell you something else. The Johnsons don't want to start this process over. They already had to fucking hire Corn Ferry. They had they had to hire uh, Ron Wolf and Casserly. You know, they, they've gone through so many ways to try to find a legitimate GM. And even if Joe Douglas is imperfect, clearly he knows what he's doing. He at least knows how to do this. And he's well-respected around the league. He's won every trade. Uh, by landslide margins that he's that he's uh, uh, put out there. So I don't think the Johnsons are in any hurry to start over. So I'm not too worried about it. Now, as far as the senior bowl, man, dude, I think it's the biggest advantage. And somebody said to me recently, I was having a conversation. They said, dude, relax. It's the senior bowl. Like it's not, the, it's not a big deal. You know, it's just, you know, people don't, don't even take it seriously. Like you're talking about the Jets practices being better than the Detroit Lions. It's not a big deal. And my point is that a long time ago, people didn't even think the draft was all that big of a deal. There was 12 rounds. They were just taking players. And Jimmy Johnson came in and realized the opportunity that that they had. And he beat the living shit out of everybody around the NFL and built a dynasty. And then everybody now is using his system to rate players. He was valuing them. And Nobody looked at the draft like that before that. He took advantage of everybody and he, he saw the opportunity and he maximized it. And I think that's what we're seeing the Jets right now. Now, it's not you know to that extent, but the Jets looked at this as, a, as an opportunity that they rarely get. And they went down there with their thinking caps on and they took it seriously. And there are a lot of players in that senior bowl that they could want. They are interesting players. The McBrides, the Mafes, the Fergusons, the, you know, the Jalen Peters, all those guys. These are guys that are legitimate um, you know, they should have a, a legitimate interest from the Jets and they took advantage of it. And I think that's uh, excellent. And I think it was an, uh, just an amazing advantage for us going into the draft process. Matt, how are you feeling about the senior bowl and Joe Douglas? How is he going to have to hit on draft picks this year? I think he needs a strong draft class. I don't think it's unrealistic to say he has to hit on every draft pick, but um, to say that, things really change for this franchise if they hit on a you know have a big draft like they did this past year obviously that makes a huge difference um so well i agree with that mindset of this has to be you know a defining off season uh for the new york jets here but i don't think it's fair to say that it has to be every single one and i agree with green bean like the senior bowl does matter it's it's a good opportunity for them to see players. That's what we talked about for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they take some guys that they saw, you know, at the uh, senior bowl. Guys, if you're just tuning in with us, make sure you hit that like button on the way in. We're going to give away a T-shirt at the end of the stream. And for every 25 likes we get, we're going to pick a qualifier for that T-shirt giveaway. If you're watching after the fact, make sure you leave a comment on this video to get entered to next week's T-shirt giveaway. And then if you're watching and you don't want to kill your phone battery, Make sure you, you check us out on your favorite podcasting app. You can listen to all of this the day after it airs. Um, Disregard Papa drops in with a super chat, says, If Kayvon Thibodeau and Ikem Ikwanu are available at four, who are you picking? And for number 10 pick, would you pick Hamilton over Linderbaum? This is interesting. So 
I've kind of I've been going back and forth, and I think we'll get a little more clarity as we get closer to the draft. But I would say if both Iquanu and uh, Thibodeau are on the board, I'm going after uh, Thibodeau, assuming the staff likes his like you know mental makeup and they think he's like you know all in or whatever, and there's no no concerns there because I do think he's he's a talent and he went from like way overrated to like you know way underrated i feel like now it's in, it's in this like he's in this weird mm. flux and it'll it'll even itself out but let's say if we go thibodeau at four i would go with probably someone like i would try to trade down i'd look for someone like a Kenyon green someone who's played all five positions on the offensive line was a consensus two-time all-american um that's probably where i would go at 10 as opposed to linderbaum uh or if you flip and you say a Quanu at four, I'd probably look at Jermaine Johnson at 10 uh, or in a trade down in some capacity. But either way, I'd try to trade down from 10 because there's a lot of guys that I really like at that particular position. I don't... I, if Hamilton made it to 10, I would think hard about it. Um, Linderbaum, probably the same way, but I would be surprised if Douglas pulled the trigger on those guys at that spot. Greenbean, what are your thoughts on Thibodeau and Icky being available at four, and how does that change your number 10 pick? Uh, right now, I would uh, I would take Thibodeau um, if, if he slid to four. Right now, I'm starting to have cracks in that dam, though, and as mm-hmm. I, I, I dug in uh, pretty deeply last night, and I and I saw some, you know, I just, I don't know, I just, um, not quite as in love as I was. But I, that's, I mean, I'm looking for an edge rusher. He's one of the best edge, ed, edge rushers, arguably the best edge rusher in the class. So I take him at four. And, and if even, it doesn't matter what I pick at four, if Hamilton's there at 10, I'm taking him. Uh, that's how I see it. As much as I like Linderbaum and all, and all that, I mean, it's hard not to like that guy. Uh, but I, I take Hamilton and I don't look back and then I just address what I need to address uh, in the second round. I, I start, you know, if it's offense, if I grab Trey McBride and and Zion Johnson uh, with uh, my seconds, I'm all fine with that. But I don't pass up Hamilton at 10 unless there's something that we found out. But again, his injury was it's called a fat. What was it called again? Uh, fat pack intusion or some shit like that. In other words, uh, he needed massage stretching and a new shoe uh to fix it so he's fine it's not we're not talking about tears we're not talking about anything like that so i think he's going to be fine but if he's there at 10 i'm taking him yeah i don't think there's any reason to be worried about the knee injury with hamilton i think they're definitely protecting him because of what happened with jalen smith i don't think there's any way they want to duplicate a a torn knee for an elite top five caliber player Uh, matt what are your thoughts on thibodeau and icky being available at four and then how would that impact your number 10 pick uh, that's, that's a tough call to make at pick four for me. I like both those guys a lot. Um, I would probably say Thibodeau. Um, but at 10, I wouldn't go with either of those two guys. I don't think that Hamilton's on the board at that point, but if he is, I don't think that deters me from my plan of wanting to land the best receiver in this class or whoever they think the best receiver is. Um, cause I, I, I don't know. I couldn't go two defensive picks in the first round. Um, I know green bean feels otherwise, and there's a lot of people who feel otherwise, but I just, I wouldn't be able to justify it for myself. All right. Not a, not a bad thought there. All right. Let me pull that one off the screen. Who we got next? I think we got Benji. Benji Unger drops in with super chat says there is something about Joe Douglas that gets me more excited about this era than the 98 
or 09 to 2010 uh, years, he is building an empire, not just a great team. Yes, 100%. I think Joe Douglas is building it the correct way. The way we tried to build it, I think, maybe with uh, Idzik, only he just didn't know what to do GM-wise. Um, he's tearing it down. He's he's getting rid of the entire roster. He's getting rid of all the fat contracts. CJ Mosley, while I, I do like him, he will be gone after next season when you can clear that money off the books, and he will finally have the full slate of cap space devoted to his players. Um, I do think Joe Douglas, at least since I've been watching, is the best GM that I've ever seen, and that's only with, like, what is it, two and a half years of work? So... Greenman, how does this compare to the 98 team and the 2009-2010 teams? I don't know, man. It's hard to have more confidence than I did in Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Ron Earhart, Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cronell, uh, Maurice Carthon. Well, hold you know, on. You know hold I mean? on. Well, so here's what's happening, right? Like, those teams didn't seem sustainable. I think that's what he's getting at. Like, like I, yeah, I, I don't agree. I think Vinny Testa yeah, was, what, like 36 years old? We had Chad. We yeah, no, had Chad, I but, think, but it wasn't going to be sustainable. Well, I don't. Think. They were good it from '97 to 2011. Th yeah, that's pretty damn yeah, sustainable. Thank you, thank okay. you, Matt. Okay. I was going to say like, the same thing. The that was our best season. period. Yeah, but it took Belichick leaving, <laughs> and like Parcells not being there. Like I, I don't know. I Parcells was what GM at the time. No, Parcells was uh, the the football czar the he was the head coach gm yeah he was everything now when he retired from coaching and when he went to be our like a uh, president of football operations or whatever he was he was in charge mm -hmm. of the whole thing which is why belichick left i mean if you look at it from you know if we take our emotions out of it it, it makes perfect sense why belichick wouldn't want to stay around you know, and work under this guy and him still be your boss and everything like that. Uh, if he ruins the team, it's his fault. He ruined Bill Parcells' you know, mega team. If he wins, he only took Parcells' team. And, and you know, it's like, you know, he can't – damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I think I, – I know what Benji's saying, and I feel very, very confident too. Probably more confident than I did – with the 2009-2010, that seemed unsustainable to me. It seemed like we need to win right now. Like, that's how it felt, mm -hmm. especially when that 2011 offseason came and we just offloaded everybody. It was really yeah. terrible. But the, the Parcells thing, the 98 team seemed like a, a juggernaut. We had Marvin Jones, uh, Mo Lewis, Brian Cox, James Ferry. Like, we were we were so stacked. Wayne Krebet, Keyshawn Johnson. We had all those guys and, he, and don't forget, Vinny Testaverde, man, at one point was 17 or he was 18 and three as our starter over a two year period. 18 and three, dude. That's incredible. And, you know, so I felt really confident with that team. I think Bill Parcells ruined it. And, but like Matt said, we still, that was the best period of Jets fandom, uh, maybe ever. I mean, I, honestly, that period of time, we went to the playoffs more when we look at, you know, the, the Bill Parcells to Herm Edwards period, that was a, a very, very fun period of time. Even though we didn't win a Super Bowl, we were consistently good. I thought we would never suck like this again. I really did. See, when I when I look at that team, I thought 98 was like, after the 98 season, obviously you have hope because everyone's coming back, but losing Vinny, you know, kind of hurt it, and then Parcells winds up leaving. So I, I kind of looked at 98 in a vacuum, and I kind of look at the 2000s overall, like from 2000 to 2010 as its own sort of, window i guess so when i look at the championship games of 98 2009 2010 i guess i didn't see the sustainability 
of 98 because Pennington wasn't drafted until I think 2000. 2000. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that, that's two years later. I don't know. Matt, yeah. But the rest of the on... team. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the, I think the infrastructure was, was definitely there. I, I, I looped that window together to be honest with you. And I think what could, I, I hear what green Bean's saying too about the, the 09 and 10 not being sustainable, but I think what could have made that more sustainable was if they drafted well, they mm -hmm. didn't, that was mm -hmm. the issue was because in 2009, 10 and well, Pretty much once Rex Ryan started getting control over the roster, it went downhill. Yeah. And for whatever, like if you want just Rex to coach and they keep Eric Mangini for drafting, then that team is probably, you know, it's completely different. But um, I think the issue was when Tannenbaum and Rex kind of combined and were getting their guys. That's when you get the Derek Masons over Jericho Cotri. That's when you get uh, Braylon Edwards leaving for Plaxico Burris. Um, and that's when you get drafting a defensive lineman every single year in the first round. Um, and it just, it, it failed, but I, I'm not, I can't get to Benji's point yet. Uh, and I like Douglas and I like Salah and I have faith more so than any point post like 2011 era jets, but I, I don't know. Nine again, 98 to 2010 was probably about as good as it gets in jets fandom. Yeah, I would say that was the longest duration of sustained success for sure in this period. But I think those three years, um, I didn't, eh, I don't know. I, whatever. <laughs> Matt drops in with Super Chat says, are you all season ticket holders? No. Uh, Matt lives like, what is it? Like a commute of like four hours <laughs> on game day. Uh, is that what it was? Or no, to get well, back on the, on. on the way home, it was four hours. I'm I'm on Long Island. I guess with without traffic, it's probably an hour. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, just trying to get over the George Washington Bridge after the game. I'd rather I'd rather drink bleach every day of my life than have to do that <laughs> eight nine times a year. That was awful. That's a once a year experience. Oh yeah, no. I look. I, I'm a once a year kind of uh, game enthusiast until we wind up, you know, doing real well or something like that. But. Yeah. I, uh, we used to have season tickets. My family had season tickets from probably 95 to 2008 or whenever. I don't know if we had it for the Sanchez first year, um, but we had them for a long time. And then when they built the new stadium, we decided to, to get rid of it because they wanted to hit us with the PSLs and everything. Um, loved having it. It was great. Some of the best memories I've ever had. I was at the Monday Night Miracle. I was at the playoff game against the Jaguars. Um, you know, countless other games throughout the course of my my lifetime that I think the Packers game going into the 2002 or three playoffs what it was one of the most fun games I've ever been at because the whole stadium was like watching the Dolphins Patriots game like I, I want to say this was a four o'clock game or maybe it was a night game or something like that and we can't get into the playoffs unless you know whatever happens in the Miami Patriot game happens I think it was the Patriots winning uh and they wound up winning I think in overtime and the entire crowd went bananas <laughs> It was insane. The players are looking around like, it's a TV timeout. Like, what's going on? And they come over to the announcement. They're like, the New England Patriots have just beaten the Miami Dolphins. The Jets have a shot. And we come out and we put a friggin' fist on the chin of the of, of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, um, that was great. Oh, so good. Green Bay, what about you? How are you feeling about, you know, season tickets, everything like that? You, got, you ever own tickets? Yeah, I had season tickets. Uh, they were never in my name, but I bought them for five or maybe six years. I sat in a section 311, 
which is 50 yard line upper level. They were the best. I, I had all the same people around me for the most part every year. It was the best. And I loved tailgating at Giant Stadium and everything. Uh, as far as, I mean, I haven't lived up there in a long time. I don't love the parking pass thing. I, that really upset me. Like you got to buy your ticket then you got to buy a parking pass. If you got season tickets and the fact that we suck, you know, it's like, it's, mm -hmm. it's tough to get up early in the morning, sit in traffic, get everything ready, tailgate, and then go in and watch terrible football. I mean, it, it makes, and then you got to do the whole thing again on the way home. Mm -hmm. But uh, I definitely applaud the guys who do that because when I watch games on TV, no matter where I am, uh, I do hope to see a home field advantage. I mean, I want to see that, but I don't want to go. So what is that? Where does that make me? You know, what does that put me? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a conflict. But I think if the Jets put up some some uh, more competent teams, I think that more people will enjoy it. It's been a tough decade, man. It's been a tough decade. Yeah, this has been a yeah. rough 10 years. I always love that when people are like, oh, it's so embarrassing when the Steelers come to town and there's you know, a million terrible towels. It's like, it's December and the NFL is better from your couch. I, why am I going to MetLife Stadium in freezing weather to watch them lose by 20? That is a terrible idea. Oh yeah, well that's yeah. just it. And not, not even just that, it's like, God forbid you have a four o'clock game, forget it. You're oh, missing yeah. all the one o'clock games. You miss all the four o'clock games to watch your Jets lose and you miss half of the eight o'clock game. <laughs> It's like yeah. brutal. It's absolutely mm -hmm. tough. And look, I loved going to games. There's nothing quite like hearing that opening kickoff jet chant and the energy. When we were there opening day, there was so much hope. And then the Jets fun. did what the Jets do. They fucking flubbed it up. <laughs> and now I'm miserable for friggin' four hours. And then I get too banged <laughs> up and I can't make any videos after it. That's what happened. <laughs> you get too banged up. Or you up. get sunburned in the upper deck with green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking yeah. dealing with it all week, you know? Oh, it's crazy. Terrible, terrible. Kyle Ormsby drops in with a super chat, says, where do you think JD gets a defensive end in free agency or the draft? I'm going to say both, uh, or I hope it's both. I would like us to try and go veteran edge rusher in free agency to try and replace the, the hole that was supposed to be filled by Vinnie Curry. So someone like a Justin Houston, someone like a Chandler Jones, someone like a Von Miller, someone that's looking to cash in a little bit on maybe a two-year contract at the end of their career and, you know, pay a little bit more. It's fine. I don't think we're going to get a lot of top-name guys anyway. So if you can get a guy that can get after the quarterback for two years and then draft your your premier guy, yeah, I'm for that. Greenbean, what do you think? Free agency or the draft for Joe Douglas? I don't know. Uh, I think they're going to go through the draft. I think if they do bring in an edge rusher in free agency, it's probably going to be like a Vinnie Curry was intended to be, like some sort of rotational depth guy. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the draft, I mean, that happens to be a strength of this draft up top, and that happens to be where we're picking. So I think that we're going to grab one with one of our two first picks, more than likely our our number four. I know people have fallen in love with this idea of grabbing a tackle at four. I I. I just got tired of arguing about it, but I don't see it. I mean, I struggle to see that. Um, I think Edge is going to be the pick at four, and I think it's going to be a guy that may that might surprise us. I, I don't, you know, that's just my thoughts. But I think that we're going to go through the draft and get our edge rusher while still going, like you said, in free agency, bringing some people in. But I don't think it's going to be Von Miller. I don't think it's going to be Chandler Jones. Um, they're 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 still able to command money. And I think that we're going to be looking for depth in free agency. 
Now, as far as, so you're saying at four, you think we'll get our edge, even if Thibodeau and Hutch are off the yeah. board, do you think we wind up pulling the trigger? Yeah. Is there someone I think we're like, going to grab mind? Carl Loftus. Yeah, I think Carl Loftus. I've been oh, watching, God, I watched geez. a lot of him uh, last night. And um, while I don't like some things, Carl Loftus, one of my bugaboos is when players don't play uh, to the whistle, like just because the play's not near them, they kind of start jogging and shit. And I saw him doing that a whole bunch. And then the play like came back and he couldn't get there because he took a little break. Like, I don't like that. And that's one of my things that I saw with Carl Loftus. But other than that, uh, I got to say, man, I left watching a lot of his full game film uh, impressed. And, and I and I like his uh, ability to stop the run. In addition to that, set the edge. Like I think he reminds me of a Joe Douglas type. Now it's hard. We we don't really know a Joe Douglas type yet. We're still kind of making things up, uh, to some extent at least. But Carlotta seems uh, like a Joe Douglas type to me, and I think that he is um, he's still on the up. Where Thibodeau, I think um, I like him a whole bunch, but uh, I think that I if 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 Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone, I wouldn't have any reservations and grabbing Karloftis. And I think that the Jets might do the same and that would make me happy. I think for me, I, I want us to get the edge, but I really don't want to reach at four. Like I, I would prefer almost going Kyle Hamilton overtaking like a Karloftis at, at four. And that feels weird to say, mm. um, because if, Daniel Jeremiah is correct, and he says there's seven edges in the top 25. That means I'm getting a really damn good edge at number 10. So, like, is there more, better positional value? Is there something that provides maybe something a little bit more? I, I don't know. I definitely like the tackle-guard combination. Like, I would take, I, I would say I would take Icky. I might not take Neil. Like, if Icky goes one and Neil's there at four... Maybe you convince me to take an edge. Um, I don't know. Matt, what are your thoughts on, on J.D. getting an edge in free agency or the draft? Um, so a few things. I think um, he probably goes for the through the draft, I would think. I My expectation is maybe like a veteran corner, a safety, and linebacker on the defense in free agency. So I don't think edge uh, there. I, lo I love George Karloff this. Um, I've been talking about him for a long time. I think I'm at the point now where I would probably take Aquanu before him. Um, and I think Thibodeau and Hutchinson are both better prospects than him. So while I have a hard time believing that he's going to be the pick at four, I don't think it would be as much of a catastrophe as some people were trying to make it out to be this mm. week uh, on Twitter. Like I've seen people who are like, there's no way he's a top 10 pick. He's like a, you know, a player who's going to go in the twenties that I don't see. I don't mm. see that at all. I yeah. think he is definitely a top 10 pick. Um, in my mm. mock draft today, I had him going to the giants at seven. Mm. Um, I just, I love his physicality. He's a strong SOB and he just strong. finds a way to win. I know that some people are worried about uh, if that's going to be able to translate to the next level. And, I hear that, but I just see a guy who just finds a way. It's not always pretty, but he just finds a way. So I, I really like George Karloftis uh, probably more than most people in the chat, and that's okay. But I don't think he's going to be the pick at four. Um, I really think we see Kayvon Thibodeau fall to four, mm -hmm. and I think Joe Douglas would pull the trigger on it.
Yeah, I think that's what winds up happening as well. I, I, as we get closer and closer, it feels like either a quarterback's going to sneak into the top 10 or a non-premium position's going to sneak into the top 10. So, Matt, if, if uh, Thibodeau is not there and you take a Kwanu, what do you do at 10? Are you still going wide receiver, or is there another plan for edge rusher? Nope, I would go wide receiver there. Um and then take a uh, edge player probably at, at 35. Um, there's a guy from San Diego State. What the hell's his name? Cameron Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a couple guys that you could probably uh, grab at at 35. Um, but it's not a it's a not obviously ideal. I think Kayvon Thibodeau uh, being there at four is the dream. But the reason why I don't have an issue taking. Uh, Aquanu or Neil, and I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, you just invested in in tackle in the first round a couple of years ago. How are you going to do it again?" And while yes, those guys are listed as tackles, they could play guard in the first year, and then dependent on what happens with Makai Becton and George Fant, then they move outside after that. Because to me, I don't think it's you extend George Fant and also plan as Makai as the long-term answer at left tackle because he is going to have to get a new contract eventually there too. Uh, I think it's going to end up being one or the other long-term there. So realistically, I think it would only be one year of either Aquanu or Neil at guard before they move out to tackle to either replace Fant or Becton, depending on what happens there. See, I disagree. I think you'd want to, if, if you take the lineman at four, like I don't, I would be surprised if we extended Fant before the draft. I think um, he's probably underselling himself in some capacity if we do that. Um, ideally for him, I think what needs to happen is we go with the edge rusher and then you don't know what happens and you, now, now you're trying to plug in a developmental tackle. I think bringing back Fant doesn't necessarily mean you're moving on from Becton. I think if you had to play a Kwanu or, or Neil at guard for two, three years, um, I don't think that's unreasonable, but I do think the the most value you could get out of Becton would be like, okay, we know we don't like his makeup. We don't like his, you know, enthusiasm or whatever it is. Something just doesn't seem to sit right with him. Then I think maybe you consider trading him either at the deadline next year or 2023 off season. Um, but ideally, I think you let him kind of grow and learn and kind of kind of figure it out. Um, we'll see. We'll see what winds up happening. Uh, Jose Torres drops in with Super Chat, says, The wide receiver position has been a turnstile. We haven't drafted a first-round wide receiver since Santana Moss. I agree with Matt. Um, all right, so wide receiver in the first round. I have no problem going Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, or um, Drake London at the top of the draft, if that's what you see. <clears throat> or if that's what you, you you deem worthy, I do think that it would surprise me a little bit if Douglas did it. I like I think when we heard Robert Sal and Joe Douglas talk about building the trenches and everything like that, I I do think they took that to heart, and I think that's where you get a lot of premium guys. The tough part for me is the whole guard aspect because guard you can get in the second or third round, where edge rusher you really can't. Um, so I don't know. I, Ideally, you get the edge rusher at four. You can take a wide receiver at 10, or if you trade down, you could take a wide receiver, and then you could fill guard at some point a little later on. Ideally, we bring back LDT. That would that would be what I... I think yeah. if we bring back LDT, I'm probably more okay with going wide receiver at 10 uh, or in a trade down at 10. Um, Griebman, what are your thoughts on wide receiver in the first round? 
Yeah. Um, look, I, I totally get it. And I, I think the point that is being made right now that the Jets haven't used a first round pick uh, on a uh, first round wide receiver in, in, in a long ass time. Uh, I get it. I just don't love this wide receiver class up top. I like them, you know, and I would, if they decide to take Traylon Burks or um, I don't know, I don't really love Drake London as much as a lot of other people, but you know, even, I don't know, just whatever they, let's just say Burks for argument's sake, they go ahead and they pull the trigger on Burks. I'm going to be very happy about that. Um, But I think that the guys that you can get in the second and third round are going to give you this, a very similar impact than you can get up top. I don't see, uh, Jerry Judy in this draft. I don't see uh, uh, Jamar Chase in this draft. Now, I'm not an expert on wide receivers or anything like that. That's just where I stand. Again, I wouldn't be devastated, but I think that, again, the drop-off at some other positions is is more significant, uh, and I think that that's the way that you use it. You don't, just because you want a position, that's called drafting for need, right? And you got to be careful. Now, if you have a guy rated uh, up there, fine, take them at that position. But if you don't, but you really want a wide receiver, that's where you get yourself into trouble. And that's what the Jets have done for a very, very long time uh, in the past, drafting for need. Like you just, you really need this position. So you overlook really talented players at other positions to hope that this guy um, can be what you want him to be. You you want to will him into being worthy of that pick. And that's my fear with some of this stuff. Am I saying that Garrett Wilson and Olave and all the rest of the guys aren't worthy? Not necessarily. I'm just saying that I think that you can get a similar impact from the second and third round wide receivers that you can in the first in many respects. And I don't think that's the case with edge and safety and um, and some other positions. So I'm not 100% there. So, Matt, I know you were talking about wide receiver in the first round. Anything to add to this comment? Um, this is going to have to be the last one for me. But just to add in, um, I would think that for me, it is uh, Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson are like the top tier for that pick. Yeah, I think Drake London's a little bit of a step back. I could I could be convinced on it. But of the three that seem to be mentioned at um, 10, that one – maybe frightens me the the most but um i don't know i think it's just time to give zach and your young quarterback some weapons and i think douglas realizes that his future is very much so tied to what zach wilson does and um i think it'd be in his best interest to make life as easy for him as humanly possible matt any last words for our panel it's a blast as always i love doing it i'm sad to go but i will look forward to next week as always I love it. Boys, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with Matt. We will see you you later. Let's see if I can do a graceful transition here. I'm going to do this. We're going to make green bean. Guest one. Bam! So almost graceful. I should have swapped this. Let's change green bean's name because green bean deserves a name, right? I think he does. Let's see if that does it. Bam! Now it's just off to the side. Eh. There we go. All right. Uh, Let's get to some other questions here. Rob Malone drops in with a super chat, says, with the unpredictability of the Brothers Johnson, does JD make trades up or down in 2022? Or if offered the right deal, grab some 2023 draft capital. Ooh, sorry. Um, hmm. If I'm looking at this, 
I'm thinking, I, I really do think the Johnson brothers are letting Joe Douglas assemble this team however he wants. I, I, I don't think they're getting in the way. Right. It, I know a lot of people give the Johnson shit, but I really, I don't think they're as bad of owners as people make them out to be. I think they're not football guys, yeah, not. 110%. And I right. think it's important to get right. football guys in here, but they've never been shy of, of opening the checkbook for any free agent, I've, like across my None. entire lifetime. Um, so I would say that. But does Joe Douglas trade up or trade down? I think it's going to be a combination of both. I really do. I think we're going to trade down from 10 to the mid-teens to – I think we'll stay at the furthest down. I think we go down to Pittsburgh at 20. Um, and then I do think there is a realistic shot. We trade up into the first from the second round. I really do think there is a shot that that happens, mm. um, using some of the capital that we got in the trade back. Uh, and I'm telling you the one guy, and I know no one's going to be with me, but God, I really like Jamison Williams. I want in the worst way to find a reason, whether he's there at 35 or to, to trade back up into the tail end of the first, because if I can give Zach Wilson, a guy that I think is a top 10 receiver, for the next 10 years, but we have to miss six months of this dude. Uh, I don't know. That's, that would, there's a part of me that wants it. I understand that they don't go that route. Um, but I do think there's a re legit shot. We trade back into the first. And I do think there's a legit shot. We trade, you know, maybe we go from the third into the second or some kind of capacity like that. I think we're going to make a few trades in this draft one down and maybe one up Greenbean, What are your thoughts on the trade up trade down situation? Oh, and you actually, before I get to you, the 2023, sorry, <laughs> If we were to trade down, yeah. I would prefer a 2023 first. So whether it's 4 to 11, take Washington's first, or from 10 to 18 or 20 or whatever you want to say, I would prefer 2023 picks over 2022 because we just have so yeah. many assets. Like, I was doing my mock offseason, um, like post-Super Bowl mock offseason, and I'm, I'm putting together everything, and I'm like, man, I'm like through re-signs, and I signed, I think, only five free agents. And we were at 70 players on our roster. <laughs> we do not need more draft picks this year. Go to 2023, right. 100%. Green Bean, you're Agreed. Thoughts. And you know, when you do that, <clears throat> excuse me, when you do that, you actually can get greater value as well. Like mm -hmm. teams are like, you know, if a, a second round next year is equivalent to a third round this year. So you can stock next year with a little bit higher, uh, you know, a little bit more valuable capital. Uh, than you could this year as well. But I'm with you, man. We have nine picks. Uh, we might even move around and gain one here or there. Like, we have enough picks for this year. I hope that whatever we do, we can start to stock next year's draft and start to give us more than the seven picks uh, that we're going to be given by the NFL like everybody else. Uh, I'm getting used to having additional picks, and I like it. You know, I like it a lot. So I, I wanted to comment, uh, though, on what you said about the Johnsons. I, I actually agree. I think... I think that people give them a lot of shit like they need to sell the team. Mm -hmm. uh, I disagree. I think that they just literally haven't, they don't know what they're doing. They have gone outside of the organization to get help and try to give us a winner numerous times. They went with a, you know, a, a, a consulting firm. They went and got, when that didn't work, they said, okay, we need football guys. They went and got two former GMs that have had success in this league and they blew it for us. So, like, they keep trying to do it. And like you said, these are the guys that let Mike McCagden pay Le'Veon Bell more than he was worth. They let him pay C.J. Mosley $5 million per year more than he was going to get by any other team. They were going to give um, uh, Kirk Cousins 
$90 million for three years guaranteed. You know, that, and that was how many years ago? It wasn't like, you know, $30 million for a guy like Kirk Cousins wasn't necessarily uh, regular, you know, operating procedure. So I think that they get a lot of flack. And, I, and look, we've sucked for a long time. So in some respects, rightfully so. But I think they're good owners as long as we have somebody in here that knows what they're doing. And that's what Joe Douglas is. And I think just like you said, they're letting him run it. This is only the second draft that Joe Douglas is actually the boss. Like, we got to remember that, man. Like, the first year wasn't – it was still muddied up from the previous bullshit uh, with the coach and the GM being on the same tier and all that crap. So I think that um, they're good owners as far as money goes, but we've needed a guy – we needed a team in-house, Phil Savage, Joe Douglas, uh, you know, all the guys that we have now, they're legit. They're football guys, and we finally have that. So um, as far as trading up in the draft back into the first, I uh, – it all depends on on the scenario, obviously, right? But I would hate to give up some of this capital that we have to move up a few spots unless somebody totally like that's not supposed to be there is there. Um, and then you got to give up maybe a fourth to jump up, you know, five spots into, in, in, into the first or something like that. That would be okay. But I'm really kind of hoping that we trade back a little bit and like you said, get some capital for next year, or we just stay where we are and use these nine picks. We have four top 50 picks, man. Let's get four top 50 players in here, uh, no matter what the position is. Let's get four top 50 players, maybe even a few freaks, and let's start winning some football games. That's how I see it, man. Garkus Bloodlust drops in with the Super Chat, says, anyone else happy with Joe? Uh, happy that Joe Burrow lost? You see how cocky he is? Not even cool cocky like Namath, just blatantly cocky. He needed a reality check, methinks, says Garkus. Um, I Look, I wanted to see the Rams win because I appreciate what Stafford had to go through in Detroit, and I really think Aaron Donald is the best defensive player I've ever watched. Um, and I wanted to see him get a ring. So that's more so, I, I would say I'm more on the side of I wanted to see that happen. And then I do like seeing Cup get a ring and Von Miller get another ring and you know, Jalen Ramsey get a ring and, you know, all those other guys that are, are top tier um, yeah. players in this league. I think it's important for them. Uh, so, no, I would say I'm not happy that Burrow lost, per se. I'm happy that those guys won. And I think Burrow's going to have a, a great career in this league. I think he's he's set up perfectly in Cincinnati. And it's just a matter of are those owners going to spend the money that they have not spent historically with Andy Dalton? with Carson Palmer. These are the issues that we've run into in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out because I saw I saw a tweet today, but it was it had to be a fake tweet. There's no way. My buddy sent it to me. And it was Dan Marino saying something along the lines of like, oh, don't worry. I got to the Super Bowl in my second year and it turned out fine. And then Jim Kelly tweets yeah. and he's like, oh, well, I got there, you know, once and it didn't work out. The following year I got there and it didn't work out. Oh, and the third year, did you know, maybe I should delete this tweet. So I'm look. Yeah. I understand it's hard to get to the Super Bowl, but I think Joe Burrow is is set up well enough, almost similarly to like Mahomes, where where he had that great first season. Now guys are going to come in and want to play with him. So I, I'm not. I would say I'm not happy that Burrow lost. I'm happy that the Rams won. Greenbean, your thoughts? Yeah. Fuck Joe Burrow. That's how I feel. Um, I don't like him. I don't like anybody. Uh, but, uh, I think, uh, I mean, I get the comment, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, he's, he aggravates people and everything, but he's got a great career in front of him. Uh, in my opinion, he's going to be, I mean, he came in and looked the part 
right away. From mm-hmm. from the moment he stepped on the field, I think he's that he's legit. He's not a flash in the pan. We're going to see lots of him. I liked seeing the Rams win for the exact reasons that that you stated, Ryan. Uh, I wanted to see Stafford get it over Joe Burrow. I wanted to see Aaron Donald, like Stud City just said in the chat. Aaron Donald missed two games his whole career, and both mm-hmm. of them not because of injury. Um, so that guy, I mean, he's the best. He might be the best defensive tackle we've ever seen. And uh, and it was good to see him slam that game home by making mm-hmm. that big play at the end. Uh, he's that kind of guy. He comes up big when you need him to come up big. And I'm glad to see those. Like, if I have to root for guys to get it, it's Aaron Donald. It's Matt Stafford, who stayed in Detroit for 12 or 11 years and never complained a peep. Never whined, never nothing. He just sat there, and he had to be traded to leave. You know, so he would have stayed there his whole career. I'm happy for guys like that, and 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 they earned it. So, I mean, Joe Burrow, like I said, I, I hate everybody. I, all the young guys coming in. I wanted Sam Darnold to be the guy. I don't like Josh Allen. I don't like Joe Burrow. I don't like anybody. So he falls into that category. That's all it is. I'm a grump. New York Jets 102 drops in with Super Chat. Thanks so much, brother. Says, besides the obvious need for talent upgrade at the skill positions, we must get tougher and grittier. The Jets have lacked that, uh, lacked in that department. Um, I think that's what you're starting to see with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala trying to bring in guys. You see Joe Douglas targeting captains. When you see captains in the, if you see the C on their chest, in free agency, in the draft, make sure you, you, you kind of highlight them. Just put a little a little mark next to them and just say, okay, this is an interesting player that Joe Douglas might look at. Because I do think that we are trying to, and I'll say this, it wasn't in the comment, but I do think that the Jets are looking for passion. I think guys that want to be here, guys that want to get better, that want to fix things. And that's what you're going to get through the draft. You're not really going to get that through free agency unless you you know, sign someone that's like downtrodden. Someone like maybe an Allen Robinson who's having a down year this past year. Like, hey, come over yeah. here. We're going to highlight you. We want you to be our number one receiver. Um, you know, something like that. Or, or you know, maybe it's a, a downtrodden player. You build through the draft, and I think the Jets are looking for captains. I think they are getting grittier, and I think they are getting tougher. So I, I do think you make a 100% sense, NY Jets. Uh, Greenbean, your thoughts on getting tougher and grittier? Hell yeah. That's the that's exactly what's been missing, man. I mean, like, did you even see, like, uh, when, not that it worked out for him, but when Aaron Donald threw uh, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, he was still in the field of play, so it was on a penalty, mm-hmm. but he decided to, uh, push him to the ground. And what happened mm-hmm. right after that? His offensive line ran over and said, unacceptable. Like they didn't, they know it's all legal. There's not going to be mm-hmm. a penalty, but they still wanted them to know that, uh, you know, we're going to fight you on that. And and I like that. Like for me, football is, uh, it's like the, the old thing with Dick Butkus. When there, there, there was a documentary about Dick Butkus and a guy who played against him said he was, he and Dick Butkus were literally best friends, best friends. And they happened to be playing each other. And the guy was on the ground and Dick Butkus walked by and it was like right after a play and he stomped on his chest, his best friend, he stomped on his chest. And after the game, he said, what the hell was that? He said, that's, it's during the game. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. Like I took, he turns on a switch and it's on, like it's over. And like, that's what we need. Like we have guys that are for a long time, they've been okay losing. It's been okay. They're still laughing and joking on the sideline. They're getting blown out. They're here for the money or whatever. It has to all go away. And we need guys like when Bart Scott came here, he said something very important. He said, 
Jets fans have seen aggressive defense, but they've never seen a violent defense. And that's what we're bringing here. And that's what we saw. Even guys like Revis, who were already good, under Rex Ryan with that that tough attitude change, he became uh, like fierce. You know what I mean? And that's what we need around here. And hopefully that's what we're building. But you got to bring in guys that have that attitude that like, hey, man, no, not today, not here, not me. And that's what I like to see. That's football, man. And that's what we need. Yeah. <clears throat> I do like what you said about the the offensive line because that was something that irked me to no end this season. Whenever Zach Wilson wound up getting hit, his offensive line didn't get in his face. I I have to go back and look, but I'm almost positive when Mike White got hit, our offensive line got in the, <laughs> the defense's face. So it's kind of weird. But I do want to see more of that grittiness. And I think that's probably why I'm a little more like – you know, I don't mind having McGovern for one more year, but I would like to to move on from. Him. I'd like to draft his replacement in the mid rounds this year, ideally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd we'll love see. Lindstrom in the third, something yep. like that. Yep, 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 yep. That's me. Same, same wavelength. Uh, v Man drops in with a super chat. V Man says, "What was more fun this weekend, watching the Super Bowl or watching Pat fans throw a hissy fit when Mac Jones, Rookie of the Year, to Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase." Uh, when Mac Jones, oh, lost rookie of the year to Jamar Chase. Um, I, I'll be honest. I didn't realize that Patriot fans were upset about that because Jamar Chase seemed like the clear winner for rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, I would say it was more fun to watch Mac Jones completely fail at the, uh, the pro bowl. That was more fun watching him just completely whiff on the skills competition. Um, I think Patriot fans are going to come crashing back down to earth when the Dolphins and Jets wind up kind of catching up with the, you know, their rebuilds. Um, I don't believe in Mac Jones. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a fine quarterback, but I, I don't think right. he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. Uh, what are your thoughts? No. Yeah, we saw it. When it was time in the playoffs for him to actually win the game, He, I mean, look, he's still young, right? Mm -hmm. So his career isn't, isn't written yet. But I think that all year they've done a really good job of protecting him. And whenever it came time for him to have to carry it, he didn't look so good, man. That's not what he does. And he's in a great system. He's with great coaches. He, you know, everything's been established. He was just the final piece of an already laid framework. And I think he did well in that. But I think Zach would have probably done well in that uh, as well, or many other quarterbacks. And I don't think Mac Jones um, necessarily exhibits all those traits that say, oh, yeah, man, that guy. You know, when he puts it together, I think that we already, we've already seen close to his ceiling. It's now if they can, can they win like that? Sure, they can win like that. But I don't think Mac Jones should have won a rookie of the year over Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase changed. I mean, they were a losing organization. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they changed everything over there. Where um, Mac Jones just fell into an already, you know, they won nine championships in the past however many years. He's just playing in that. So I don't, th I think there's a huge difference between the two. Richard, AKA Dick Delgado drops in with the super chat says rebuild for the future. He says trade every asset for picks in 2026, 2027, get Arch Manning step two, get Manning uh, or to get Arch Manning step two, get Manning step three success. Uh, no, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie Down it. Bronx, thank you so much for the Super Chat Brother, says, hey guys, in your opinion, is D-Brick a Hall of Fame player? Yes, the dude played 
absolutely phenomenal on the left-hand side for like a decade and missed one snap in which he was taken out on a special teams, not special teams, on a trick play by Rex Ryan, where I think we had like one offensive lineman on the field. Um, yes, 100% he should be in the Hall of Fame. Will he get in on the first round of ballots? I'm not so sure, but I think he, you know, could could get in. Green Bean, what do you think? Uh, well, I think last year was the first year that he could have, so he didn't. Um, so I, I think oh, it was. Gold I think last year. Yeah, Mangold stayed in. Okay. Yeah, I think DeBrick was uh, last year. He did make it past the first round of voting, which was nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that he's a Hall of Fame player. I think it might take a few years. I mean, he was rock solid for 10 years, missed one play, like you said. Um, mm -hmm. Dude, 10 years without a missed snap. And he made, I think, uh, correct me, but I think it was four Pro Bowls. And so he's like, he's like right on that cusp. There could be an argument that he's not a Hall of Fame player. And, and, um, and, uh, and it, you know, it would be legit, but I think that he'll make it. And he was also a really, really nice guy, too. So I think he was well liked around the league as well. So that helps, as we know, with Mark Gastineau and Joe Klecko. Guys didn't like them, and that's why they're not in. Uh, so, you know, hey, I think uh, DeBrick will get in there eventually. Yeah, I mean, T.O. should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer all day, and people didn't like him. He had to wait a year. That's what happens. That's right. That's I, it. it, it I mean, they have too he much up, power. It, uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go to his Hall of Fame ceremony, if I'm remembering this correctly. I think he was pissed off that he didn't get first ballot. Oh, really? I, yeah. I well, think I, that's what I heard. No, Please, I mean, there you go. Me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what happened. All you do with stuff like that is confirm, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to put you in. So then they don't, then they do. And then you don't show up and they're like, see why we didn't want to put you in, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. He's, everybody's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Gangrene says he did not go. Yeah. See, I don't know. Uh, this one's yeah, not a super chat, but I, I did like this question from earlier in the stream. Uh, how do you guys feel about Foisaid Alakun? I don't know about him because of his coverage skills. Um, he is the linebacker from Atlanta. He had the most tackles over the course of this entire season. Uh, and Jeff Ulbrich just so happens to be his former linebackers coach. Um, so could the Jets wind up looking that direction for a solution at linebacker? I'm going to go out and I'm going to say no. <laughs> I, I like him and I would have no problem bringing him in, but he had his best season after Ulbrich left. So I would, you know, I had him in my mock-off season initially, but I would be surprised if he wanted to go back to the guy that maybe didn't maximize his potential. Uh, Greenbean, how are you feeling about Foisade? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think a, a lot of the stuff that we attribute, you know, like relationship-wise, like if guys have worked together before, I think a lot of it doesn't hold as much weight as we place on it as fans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like you said, I mean, it's not like, you know, he, you know, he, pulled him from the ashes and he really succeeded under Ulbricht or anything like then, then you have an argument. Uh, can he sign here? Sure. But it wouldn't be because of Ulbricht in my opinion. I think it would just be because of money, <laughs> you know, I completely understand. Uh, guys, if you're just yeah. hopping in the stream, make sure you hit that like button on the way in for every 25 likes that we get. We're going to pick a qualifier for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of this stream. Right now I have B2B one, 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 zero, seven, nine, Tommy Clifford, Jets gang, Cody Dog, Greg Gan Gagney, Gagney, Greg Gagney, Raw Power, AC, and Dr. Orthodontist guy. You guys are all qualified for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of the stream, so make sure you hang around uh, for that. Um, 
yeah, no, we'll, we'll see what winds up happening. Uh, Dylan Robert Shalom the third says, is Stingley on the table? Uh, Greenbean, what are your thoughts on Derek Stingley Jr.? I kind of lean the way of, I wouldn't put him remotely on the table. I'd, I'd scratch him off my list. I, I don't want the injury. I think there's other corners that are probably better than him. I think Sauce, I would take ahead of him. I think I would take Booth ahead of him. Maybe McDuffie. Like, there are a lot of guys that I would have no problem taking. Um, and I'd rather roll the dice on a different position than Stingley. Like, I, I don't know what would have to happen for me to take Stingley. Like, is it trading down and, like, everyone is off our board and Stingley's sitting there? Like, that might be the only way I take him. And even then, I might go a different direction. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, I, I, it's weird. I, I don't even consider Derek Stingley. I, I just, I don't think that we're going to go cornerback that high anyway. And I think that, uh, I think that they would go sauce Gardner in my opinion, if, mm -hmm. if, if they were going to, I just don't think cornerback is that high on their list again. Like you've said numerous times in this stream, the jets mm -hmm. have said on more than one occasion that they're, they focus they're that they're going to focus on the trenches um, and I think that apply, you know, Salah's gone as far as to say defensive line is the one, the one area that can, can take away everybody on offense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it helps everybody on the rest of the defense. So it's really, really important. And I think that they're going to use their premium capital to try to get the best possible guy they can, that can help that Stingley in particular, I'm, I'm not really a big Stingley supporter. And uh, I think if they were going to go cornerback, it might be one of the other guys uh, over Derek Stingley. Uh, Allen or Philip Allen, thank you for the super chat. Says there's one offensive lineman I want the Jets to get, and it will make our offensive line one of the best. Is Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M? I love mm. Kenyon Green. I am a hundred percent on board with him. If you want to take him at number ten after <clears throat> taking uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, no questions, no problem whatsoever. If you want to trade down a little bit, take him, no questions whatsoever. 100% agree. Love He's it. played all five positions on the offensive line. He even took one snap at center. Um, but having the the flexibility mm. of guard and the flexibility of tackle, I think there is a reason why the New York Jets played offensive linemen all over the place at the Senior Bowl, and I think they value that positional flexibility. 100% I think Kenyon Green is high on our board. Green Bean, your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's very high on our board. Uh, in my opinion, he's the number one guard in the class. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I like him too. He's incredibly versatile. He, if Look, if we decide, like that's what the thing with Linderbaum and everything, I get it, you know, but if you want to just fix the hole on our offensive line and, you know, without getting a tackle that can play guard or a center that can play guard, just mm -hmm. grab the best damn guard in the class like they did last year. Uh, I would have zero problem with that. Uh, I love I, I love Ken uh, uh, um, uh, Kenyon Green, and I think that uh, the Jets probably do as well. We know they traded two thirds to move up and uh, and grab AVT, so they're not afraid to pull the trigger if he's sitting there. And if we're talking about um, you know trading back a little bit, and look, if they traded back four, five, six picks, and he's there, I think is a good chance that he's the pick actually. Uh, what else I got? Uh, Edward <clears throat> Ziff drops in the super chat, says, Howie Long praised Klecko on his Hall of Fame induction. Howie Long's a moron if he did that. I didn't actually know. <laughs> no, he did. Yeah, did he, he really? Did. Yeah, no, he did. He said, I want to make, he, he did it in his speech. He talked about <laughs> Joe Klecko being one of the best players in the, in the NFL. And it's a shame that he's not in the hall. It's fantastic. What a beautiful oh, thing. in his, I, 
I read that completely wrong. I thought Howie Long, I thought you were saying Howie Long praised Klecko on his induction into the Hall of Fame. I was like, why the hell would he do that? That makes no sense. But now, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Praised Klecko in Howie Long's Hall of Fame induction. That, that, that makes oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, um, I, I don't yeah, know if that, there's a that's comma a, that's supposed to be in there, but there, that's the weird thing about the English language, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it reads real, really smooth to me. That's a good one. Don't worry, Ed. I got Bite you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael got you. Wellington, uh, he says, anyone mentioned Chris Godwin yet or Carlton Davis? Uh, both guys from Tampa Bay, both going to be free agents. Chris Godwin, obviously the wide receiver tore his ACL. Carlton Davis, cornerback, um, going to be probably cornerback two, I would guess. Uh, J.C. Jackson will probably be the, the number one guy. Uh, I don't know what Tampa Bay does. Now that Tom Brady's retiring, it's going to be interesting to see what winds up happening. I think Gronk winds up leaving. I could see him going to play with Burrow. I know he has said that uh, in the past that he likes Burrow, so maybe he winds up going over there. Um, or he winds up retiring. But I don't know what happens with Godwin or Carlton Davis. I don't know how their cap situation looks with Brady retiring a year before they were necessarily thinking he was going to retire. Um, I don't know. Chris Godwin's an interesting one because I think he fits to a T in this offense. If I were to go after Chris Godwin, I would not touch Braxton Berrios. I would let Braxton Berrios walk and I would go after Chris Godwin because he can play from the slot or from the outside, and that's the positional flexibility that I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala really like. Um, the ACL just sucks. I really wish he didn't tear it. Uh, as far as Carlton Davis goes, I had him in my mock offseason. I don't know if we go that route. I think we kind of try the cornerback by committee, if that makes sense. Like I think we go with a bunch of cheaper caliber uh, cornerbacks as opposed to the the higher priced guy like maybe davis gets a one-year 14 million dollar deal or get something like maybe something along the lines of whatever bradbury got from the giants i don't know what to make of him Mm. Greenby, what do you think about chris godwin and carlton davis and the tampa bay team in general yeah well i i agree with you i think the tom brady thing is going to be interesting and whether or not guys want to stay i i see the same thing uh happening with the saints right like they lost drew blees uh (laughs) drew Brees recently and then this year they lose sean payton i think guys are going to go you know what it might be time to get out of here mm-hmm. uh this is going to this is going to be a rebuild and so guys are going to leave i think the same thing is going to happen in tampa bay um they have they they do have kyle trask now maybe the entire team loves him and they love his development and everybody's on board no we have the guy um he's perfect to follow tom brady and who knows maybe that's going on i think that's unlikely and i think that Guys are going to be willing to leave where maybe they would not be so willing if Tom Brady was there, knowing that they have a good chance to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, so I think uh, if we do go in free agency and get a cornerback, I think um, it should be a cornerback one. That's that. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. It should be somebody like push uh, Bryce Hall to two, uh, Michael Carter to the slot, and push uh, you know Brandon Eccles to coming in and. And, uh, you know, as the fourth guy, uh, you know, the fourth cornerback in dimes and, and nickels and all those fun packages, uh, I think that would be really smart. And then, you know, have a vet to mix in with that young group who is now past their first year in the league. Bryce Hall has now had one and a half years in the league, played every game last year. He stayed healthy. Isn't that funny? He, he was the guy who came in with the injury 
mm-hmm. concerns. And he's the one guy on our team, on our defense, that played the whole year. So that's good. But I think getting a vet to kind of take that spot would be smart. Um, and it, it it mixes well. But we haven't seen the Jets really invest in the cornerback position yet as far as premium assets and lots of money. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I think um, yeah, I think he would be a good option, Carlton Davis. Uh, our okay. Let's try to let's try to pronounce this right, Ryan. Our Oboros Nag. That's Ooh. a name I will not not try to pronounce anymore. Uh, he says Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green. Let, so let's play this game, Green Bean. Zion Johnson in. Let's say you have to take him at thirty-five or Kenyon Green in a trade down. Let, let's let's say that because I've seen a few people be upset with us saying Kenyon Green could be worth the tenth overall pick. Um, so, would you prefer Kenyon Green in a trade down situation or um, Zion Johnson at thirty-five? Yeah. Um, well, player to player, I'm taking Kenyon Green over Zion Johnson. Uh, that's what I'm doing now. Uh, obviously, like you said, the you got to look at you're going to be using a first round pick on on Kenyon Green, and if you get Zion Johnson with a second, I think I would go for the better player. In my opinion, that's Kenyon Green. Uh, so I would just say straight up, take Kenyon Green and and uh, and feel better about the guy that you grabbed to be able to have a, a long successful career on your team. Yeah, I think that the one thing that I like Zion, Zion Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, well, that's just it. I like. I have no issue with with taking him. I think him taking snaps at center is interesting because maybe the Jets are interested in him in the second round as a guard, and then you know, hey, you know, if McGovern winds up leaving, maybe they they look that way um, in terms of moving Zion Johnson over. I don't know. I I agree with you. I like Kenyon Green more than Zion Johnson, uh, so we'll see what winds up happening. Matthew drops in with super chat. Matthew says, "I know it's." A tough question, but what is a realistic number for wins next year? Looking at the history of primetime home games, the pattern fits for having two next year. Does that change anything? All right, let me read this again. Hmm. I know it's a tough question. Looking at the history of primetime home games, the pattern fits for ha- oh, having two primetime home games next year, not two wins. Okay. Um, hmm. Hmm. Well, we're going we're gonna to have the Thursday night game because every team gets a Thursday night game throughout the year. So that's at least one primetime game. So you're saying we might get one other one. Um, maybe. It, it depends what winds up happening because I don't think the schedule is released until after the draft when the NFL can kind of formulate storylines and everything like that. Uh, so I would say as far as wins, I'm looking for like, I, I don't know if there's really a number I want to place on it, but I would say I want to see our name in the hunt at least at the end of November. Would love to see it at the beginning of December. Um, you know, maybe that number is eight wins. Uh, maybe we go eight and nine or something like that. I think that would be a, a really nice um, second year for Robert Sala. And that, I think that would mean Zach Wilson took a, a pretty sizable jump forward. Um, Greenbean, how do you feel about the realistic number of wins we could get next year? And, you know, how do you feel about maybe primetime games? I hate primetime games. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I like watching my football um, one or four o'clock on Sunday. That's my thing. I hate going through a Sunday not watching Jets football. That's, you know, I hate bye weeks and all that jazz. <clears throat> so that's just me. Um, now, as far as our realistic wins next year, I will say it's very difficult to say because we don't even know what the hell our team looks like, which is, which is getting old, by the way. I want to start locking some guys up. 
knowing who we're going to have, you know, for like the next three or four years. I love go like think about the Bills. Like they mm-hmm. every year they they've had the same team since 2018. They just add players. Like that's a beautiful thing. Knowing who your cornerbacks are, knowing who your tackle is, you like all that shit. So I'd like to see that. Um, but I'll, I I will say that second year for the staff uh, together. We should be seeing improvement like to the seven to nine win category, I think would be a, uh, a, a pretty safe bet to be, you know, like that's where we should be second year, uh, maybe a little bit better if, if, we, if we hit a stride. But anything less than that, I'm going to be disappointed, I think. Um, what else we got? I saw, so B2B, one of our qualifiers for our shirt giveaway, had an interesting comment. Uh, he says, I have a customer whose client is Ryan Jensen, the Tampa Bay center. My customer said the Jets are coming after him. So uh, I'm curious to see if the Jets do that, because I wanted Ryan Jensen, like, what is it, two, three years ago now when he wound up signing with Tampa Bay? I would say I don't particularly want him now. I don't know what his age is, but it's got to be closer to 30 at this point. Um, I don't think he is an upgrade over Connor McGovern. I would prefer to keep Connor McGovern and draft a center as opposed to going after the Tampa Bay center in, in Jensen. Greenbean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, if that's the case, then we're, then we're tampering, um, or maybe not tampering, but it's, we're not supposed to be doing it. I like that. I, if, if that was to be happening, I hope we're doing that with all the guys I want. I hope we're letting these agents know, look, we're about to throw the bag at you. I don't want you listening to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Just come right here. We're going to give you what you want and, and let's, let's cut the shit. I would like to, 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 to think that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Jensen. I don't know. What, what year is he in? Where is he? He's Tampa Bay. You know? He signed as a free agent two or three years ago. So let's, let's see. Right. Let's see. How many years is... is he in the league? I mean, he's still, he's still well, phenomenal. He was from I'd love to originally. So, I mean, maybe yeah. there's some type of, I don't think there was an overlap with Douglas. Cause I think Douglas left in 2000. 15 from there uh he is so he's 30 years old he'll be 31 as of may 27th um i don't i don't know what you would have to pay him but i mean unless you're getting him for a bargain and you're cutting mcgovern and saving nine million dollars like i don't see the rationale in going jensen here yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's the same thing with, like, Linderbaum and all that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, it's one position. It's the same thing I see with the tackles. It's like we're we're feasting on this idea of, of using our premium capital on positions that we have. Like, there are so many holes on this team. I don't know why we would do that. Now, granted, if you're going to move McGovern over to guard and, and do that, okay, fine, if that's the plan. But we have a center who is who is good. Now, like you said, I'd like to maybe upgrade that moving forward. Like we said earlier, draft a mid-round center, groom them all year, let them take over next year, that kind of a thing. But as far as like going out there and throwing the bag at, at Jensen or using a top 10 pick on, on a tackle or a center, like I just struggle with that. Not that I would hate it. But it's like, I, why don't we get we have holes. We have we have nobody at linebacker or safety or cornerback one or what like there's a lot we have no tight ends man mm-hmm. we got kenny yaboa grooming and developing that's great but we need a premier tight end in the mold of kittle that that mike lafleur can work with probably two of them let's mm-hmm. let, let's go get these guys rather than than uh, ryan jensen although i love them 
<laughs> Wild Billy Boy drops in with a super chat, says, what are your guys' thoughts on George Pickens? Most mocks have him going in the second round. Uh, Greeny, do you know anything about George Pickens? Because I'm about to Google him right now. Yeah, I like George Pickens a whole bunch. Talk to uh, me he about had it. the injury. I don't know how bad the injury is. I haven't I haven't really followed up. He's one of the receivers I like most in this draft, but you're going to be able to get him in the and I mean at highest the second round, maybe even the third round. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like you can get a George Pickens uh, in the let's just say the third, and you know obviously mm-hmm. I'm I don't know, but you can get George Pickens in the third. Um, he's going to have the same uh, NFL output as some of these guys, Drake London, that we're talking about in the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I'm kind of in support of moving wide receiver to the next two rounds because uh, I don't see the difference mm-hmm. in a lot of these guys that we're talking about as the top. I mean, like, let's look at Traylon Burks. Let me real quick pull up sure. uh, Draft Tech. Like, Draft Tech is a, is, a, is, a comp- is a site that I trust. Like, I like them. They're not always right, of course, but I like them as, like, a foundational informational site, and I like them. They have Traylon Burks as their sixth overall wide receiver. Now, is that mm-hmm. right? I don't know. But that's where they have them, and they're not alone. Mm-hmm. But people are talking about taking Traylon Burks at 10. Now, I don't know. Maybe... But there are a lot of these networks are saying, no, he's, you know, there are many guys better than him. Five wide receivers. Are, so that would push him to the second round, probably potentially even the third, depending on how the draft goes. So if we can get Traylon Burks at pick 38, why are we fucking squeezing a square peg through a round hole and grabbing him at 10? when there are guys that are definitely top 10 players. So that's kind of what I'm talking about with the wide receivers. George Pickens, they have right behind Traylon Burks as that at number seven, six foot three, 205, super athletic, fast, nice extension, great hands, all that stuff, played for Georgia. Um, and I love him. I, he's one of my favorite wide receivers in the entire draft. Again, there is an injury concern, which I haven't followed up with. So you got to give me a, uh, give me a little leniency there. But uh, that's that's where I sit with him. No, that's all right. I uh, so I, I pulled up the draft network, so that's where I get a lot of my my uh, scouting reports from, and I it's just an easy layout. Yeah. And everything. What do they say? Um, so they say five star recruit. They put him as a third round value. His ideal role would be a perimeter wide receiver. Scheme fit would be downfield passing offense. Uh, his analysis report. I'll read it word for word. George Pickens is a very good athlete with downfield speed, agility, and body control. And in the run game, he doesn't provide much in terms of stalk blocking. Due to his wiry frame, he can be out-physicaled by stronger defensive backs who are defending the run. It's in the passing game where he excels. He is, a, uh, he is sudden off the line of scrimmage and quickly closes the defensive back's cushion. He is fluid and shows good body control as a route runner, easily attacking leverage against man coverage. He has a very good catch radius, shows tremendous athleticism to contort his body and make difficult catches on off-target throws. He is a natural hands catcher with strong mitts who, is, uh, who easily catches the ball away from his body. He is a matchup problem in slant and fade situations, can defeat press with foot quickness, but will need to add mass, bulk, and upper body strength to his wiry frame in order to play through physicality in the NFL. Because he is lean and there have been injury concerns in the past, this could affect the projection to the next level. So while the grade is reflective of the talent level, there are other factors that could factor into his projection. Ultimately, he has redeeming value in his athleticism, agility, and catch radius. Um, 
right. Well, without me watching any tape on the guy, I would say uh, he's interesting. But I, I, he's probably someone that maybe you lump into the second or third round conversation if you don't take a wide receiver at 10. And I'll be yeah. honest, I am almost at the point now where I would prefer bringing in Allen Robinson in free agency on the cheap. That's me. Go, yeah, That's dude, don't, I, I like going yeah. the two lines. If I could go Thibodeau at four or Aquano at four and then Johnson or Kenyon Green at 10 or, or, or trade down and, and do the same thing, I think I prefer that. Um, I don't know. Receiver... I would go into the second round, and I saw some few. I saw a few comments in the chat about this. I love the idea of trading thirty-eight for an established wide receiver. So whether that be Calvin Ridley, I, I wouldn't give a second to Amari Cooper unless he restructured his deal in the trade. Um, it would it would take a lot for me to probably give that up. Michael Thomas is an interesting one, but I think by the time we get to pick thirty-eight, if we don't have our receiver already. That's when you start looking at maybe a Pickens. You look at, you know, maybe a Dotson or something along those lines. Dude, I I was watching a ton of highlights on Christian Watson. If you could get him in like the third or fourth round at six foot five, this guy is awesome. I really like him. So I I don't need to overextend if I don't have to, but I just like the established receiver more than, than maybe drafting a guy. Right. And then what you can do is you can you can use a third or a fourth round pick and get a guy that's going to be similar to the guys up top in this particular draft. Like nobody's going to argue with the idea that Zach Wilson should have the best possible weapons that we can get him, the best Mm -hmm. possible protection. Nobody's going to argue that. But you have to know what's available. Like you don't buy. You know, like like I said, you know, the, the fucking cheeseburger at the Chinese restaurant thing. If you're there at the Chinese restaurant, <laughs> get the Chinese you, know what I mean? food. you don't get the cheese. <laughs> you get the Chinese food. That's what you're there. You get the General Tso's chicken. You don't mm-hmm. get the, you know, they have a hot dog on their menu for the, you know, the kid that eats nothing. You don't get the hot dog, dude. You know, it's going to, you know, it's going to suck. So, you know, in this particular draft, it's not to say that these wide receivers aren't good and they won't make it in the NFL and all that jazz. But shoehorning a guy into the top 10 because you want a receiver is literally called reaching for need. And that is the worst thing you can do in the draft. It's what the Jets have done for years and years and years uh, is reaching for need. And uh, and it blows up in your face more times than not. You draft the best possible players at a position of need. Just because it's not the position that you want, you wait a minute and you get a similar guy uh, around two rounds later than you would have gotten up top and you get similar production. And that's what I would hope. I love the idea of bringing in Allen Robinson on a two-year contract and then taking a third-round flyer on, like you said, Watson. I love Kyle Phillips, but not, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a fourth, fifth-round guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some somebody like that, man. One of those, I mean, there's Wandale Robinson. Uh, there's lots of guys I like in this draft. Um so and anyway, it's not to say I don't like Traylon Burks. I do, but I I haven't seen him rated number one on anybody's draft board yet. I haven't seen it. But Jets fans are nuts. We all want him at the first pick. We want him in a top ten pick. Now maybe Joe Douglas likes him there too. Great, but I'm uh, I'm a little bit more hesitant. I'd I'd rather see us take truly elite talent up there and just wait it out and see. You know, let the draft come to you. You know, look last year. The Chiefs got Creed Humphrey in the back end of the second round. The Seattle Seahawks got DK Metcalf back end of the second round. 
You know, it's dude, there, there are fantastic players all over the place. Terry McLaurin was a third round pick mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. With me, I think, yeah, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure Daniel Jeremiah had a list of, I don't remember who it was in the order, but all three receivers, uh, Drake London, Traylon Burks, and Garrett Wilson were all, I want to say it was like 9, 10, 11, I think is what he ranked them. Um, and I don't remember who was where. Um, but that's probably the highest I've seen the receivers. I know I've seen Drake London go to us at 10 in the Kuiper mock draft, I think. Um I don't know. There's there's part of me that does like the idea of going like guard tackle at four and wide receiver at 10 and tight end at 35 and who knows what else at 38. But like there's part of me that understands like wanting to just, you know, build it out the way the the Bengals did with Burrow and just give Zach Wilson as much uh, chance of success as possible and then try to figure out the defense later on. But but I, I would be hard-pressed not to take an edge in the top 10, I think, with two top 10 picks here. Um, Greenby, I'm going to have you go over to last week's Talking Jet panel just so we can can have that queued up. Philip Allen jumps in with a super chat, says, how would you feel about instead of taking Ikem Aquanu at number four uh, and trading back to get Kenyon Green? It's something I really want the Jets to do. Uh, look, ideally, I don't love taking guard tackle in the top four. I want it to be edge rusher. I want it to be edge rusher since the the day the season started. Um, so yeah. ideally for so, me, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Thibodeau. I, I don't think Hutchinson winds up falling there, but I would hope Thibodeau is the pick at four, and then I would love to trade down 10 and get Kenyon Green. I think that is a home run right there, especially if you could trade down to like 20 and get a first round pick for 2023 with the Steelers and you can take him there. God forbid he's off the board. Maybe you take Zion Johnson. Like there's plenty of guys that you could take in a trade down situation at 10. Um, You know, whether it be a top wide receiver or a top, uh, maybe it's a top linebacker in Lloyd or Dean or, or you, you know, the interior offensive line. There's a lot of different directions the Jets can go, but I would say I like trading down and getting Kenyon Green more than I like taking Icky at four. Icky would just be my pick if, you know, the, the top two edge rushers are off the board. If it winds up being like Icky at one, both edge rushers going two, three, and now we're sitting at four with Neil, maybe I have more of a conversation about what to do. I, I think I would, I might try to trade down a little bit in that scenario. Um, and it's not so much that I don't like Neil. I, if forced to make the decision, maybe I make that pick, but I think Hamilton then becomes a, a realistic discussion. And I, I don't particularly love that. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Icky at four or trading down to get Kenyon green? Um, well, is he say, I thought he is he saying both of them or one or the other? Taking and trading back to get Kenyon Green. So he wants to use. Oh, he's saying both. Four. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think that we've gotten into this mindset that we think that the only place that we can get stud offensive linemen is in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be four consecutive first round picks on the offensive line. Now, is it that important? Sure, but. Uh, I, it's just it, it, that's a new mindset that you're going to use all of your first round picks on the offensive line. I mean, there's uh, there's there's a reason to spread it around and get, uh, you know, high caliber guys all over your team. Uh, so I think that's unlikely, Philip. I, I really do. Now, one of them 
Sure. I, I can see them going offensive line. I don't think that they have to, and I'm not convinced that they will, but I can see it, and I wouldn't complain uh, one iota about it. But I think edge rusher is going to be what we grab at four, and I think that if Hamilton's there at 10, there's an argument to be made for that, and I think the Jets will be making that argument. Um, but I think that offensive line is realistic, and if they can't trade back, I think they wouldn't hesitate to take uh, Kenyon Green, uh, Charles Cross, who, who I'm liking more and more every day, um, and uh, and or Linderbaum even. like I think one of those guys, if they want an offensive lineman and Kenyon Green and Linderbaum are sitting there and Hamilton isn't, I think that they might pull the trigger on one of those guys, sure. I think it's yeah. realistic. Cross is an interesting player because I see him pretty much universally thought of as like the third or fourth offensive lineman right. um, be, behind Neil Iquanu and Linderbaum. But it wouldn't shock me if you saw him go number one after the combine and everything. From what I've heard, he seems like the most polished pass protector. Polished. Um, yeah. Yep. Where, where Neil and Icky are more so the run, um, run blockers, I guess, well, positional flexibility. <clears throat> like, like Cross is a true left tackle. Right. You know what I'm learning about Icky? Icky reminds me a lot of the way that we thought about Makai Becton. Like there's, there's, I mean, he's very, very good, but there's like, we're, we're hoping for a lot of improvement. Like Makai Becton, there was a big knock on him that he's going to have to learn to use technique more than his, just, just his uh, massive strength where he's like in college, he can get away with that. In the NFL, he's going to have to work on that because guys, you know, that strength isn't going to work in the same way. Icky has similar things where he's depending on his natural ability in certain instances, and he's going to have to clean up a little bit. So there's so much potential there, but if he doesn't, he doesn't have the right mindset to, to get there. You could be looking at a potential bust with Icky and that's freaky to me. Um, especially when we already took that swing with Makai Becton and we're, you know, we're, at minimum, we have questions, right? At minimum, I I'm confident in everything, but we have questions or legitimate questions about Makai Becton. So we don't know where it is. So I think they would probably lean more towards a guy who is technically proficient and and strong and all that stuff that might be charles cross man uh especially if we're talking about 10 or a trade back and if we want to go tackle um i think charles cross might be a little bit more attractive to the jets than a lot of jets fans think donald june thank you so much for the super chat says dan brugler's comparison for garrett wilson is cd lamb well you know i loved cd lamb during that draft and i was pounding yes, the table you for did him. I do yes, think tackle did, was buddy. the right move. I wanted Werfs, but it's okay. I I wanted C.D. Lamb. If Garrett Wilson's comp is C.D. Lamb, I'm all on board. I've watched more and more Garrett Wilson, and I really like him. Like, he contorts his body in such fabulous ways, and just the way he gets the ball down the field is impressive. And I, I do feel the same way, and I think that's a pretty solid comparison for the most part. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. where we go. I, I I like Garrett Wilson. How do you feel about the comparison, yeah. Greenbean? Um, I, I I don't know about the comparison so much. But what I will say is this: if as much as I do like Traylon Burks, if we are going to take a wide receiver at ten, I would probably lean towards Garrett Wilson. I think mm -hmm. uh, I think that he's the more exciting guy. Um, 
Let me. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look at his height again. I, I feel like I'm off on, six, on his six height. One maybe at most. I don't think he's see. taller than six one. Yeah, six six even. Right. Okay, so he's kind of yeah. he's right in the middle there. Um, yeah, I like Garrett Wilson. And then obviously, you know, Traylon Burks is six foot three, so it's a different it's a different uh, situation there. But um, mm. yeah, I don't know how tall C.D. Lamb six foot three, isn't he? I uh, six two six three somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, so he's a little bit yeah. taller. But I do think the way he plays is similar. But that scares yeah. me because he's playing in the Big 12. So, like, everything's wide open over there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, I, I do like – I'll just say I, I do like Garrett Wilson, um, and I think he's going to be a good pro too. Mm-hmm. Again, is he going to be – is he going to be, you know, Jamar Chase? Is he going to be CeeDee Lamb? I, I don't know. I don't know. Pablo is awesome. Drops in with a dollar super chat. Um, he says, how do you guys feel about trading draft picks for established players like the Rams? Um, I don't want to trade first round picks because we have two top 10 picks, but in the future, um, if we're picking in the twenties to 32 range, yeah, sure. hundred percent. No problems. No questions asked. Uh, this year I have no problem trading for established wide receivers with our second round picks, prefer- preferably, uh, 38 overall. I would like to trade 38 for an established wide receiver. Um, you know, if you can get it for less, of course, I would love it for, for less, but I, I'm okay with trading for established talent. What do you think, Remian? I think we got enough uh, young yeah. players on this team that, that some established guys would be okay. Um. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think what the Rams did was an incredible experiment mm-hmm. um, that, generally speaking, doesn't work. You know, we've seen a lot of teams try to build these dream teams and it, it just hasn't worked. I think it's a real testament to the coaches that they've that they have over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sean McVay is 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 legit, dude. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's not let's just call it what it is. Uh, they they have a good organization over there since McVay took over. He, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's important. The Jets, uh, we've we've gone that route. Not so, I guess, not so much trading our first round picks, but we've done it. Like you know, Doug Jolly. I can't think of too many times that we've traded our first or anything for established players. Mm-hmm. But I, I I like the mentality. But I think what we're doing, we're in the middle of a youth movement. I think we should continue. Mm-hmm. Like you know, let's stay the course on our five year plan rather than be inspired by a recent success and mm-hmm. run and try to copy it. That's my thought. Like we're doing something here. It's mm-hmm. tried and true. Uh, it's been the most successful mindset in in the NFL over over its history. Let's just keep going, stick and stay, and let's follow it to its completion and and win. Philip Allen drops in with the super chat. Says I want to trade out a four to get Kenyon Green and take. Uh, Jermaine Johnson at 10. Phil Allen, you and I are on like the same wavelength. <laughs> I, I like Jermaine Johnson. It kind of depends what winds up happening. Like in my mind, if you could work out an ideal situation, the Falcons want to come up from eight <clears throat> to four. We trade down. We pick up Calvin Ridley in the trade. Uh, at eight, you wind up taking Jermaine Johnson. And at 10, you wind up either trading down, taking Kenyon Green or, or, or some combination of it. That's that's my like ideal situation. Um, trading out of four, it would depend on who's there. Um, I would take any one of Hutch, Thibodeau, or Aquanu at four. Neil is probably where you, you might, I don't want to say lose me, but I would say that's it opens the door maybe. Greenbean, how are you feeling about trading out of four to get yeah. Kenyon Green and take Jermaine Johnson at 10? 
well, let me say this. I'll be real honest. I just started digging into Jermaine Johnson, and I'm not as blown away as everybody else is, but I'm in the earlier stages of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm not – I didn't see – like I didn't get, I just didn't get blown away by him. He looks like a like an average guy to me, but that can change. So uh, as far as trading back from four, I'm all about it. If we can get like one of those franchise changing three firsts kind of shit that we see teams <laughs> get, you know what I mean? Like yeah. like the Niners gave up last year to get, to get Trey Lance, dude. If we can get something like that, that that uh, you do it. You do that. If somebody's willing to give you three first round picks and you only go down and you're still in the top 10, top 15 kind of thing, you take it. Um, whoever we get after that, just take the best player at a position of need. And, and we're on, man. We're on like Donkey Kong. And we can continue this fun of having numerous first round picks for our offseason vids. And let's oh. just keep it going, baby. That let, let's be honest. That's the real reason we want multiple firsts because we can make awesome videos the entire off season. It's fantastic. Love Absolutely you. love it. Jack S drops him a super chat. Says, "Is Carl Loftus a reach if Hutch and Kayvon are gone? It's tough to know right now. I I do think it's a little higher than I would prefer to take him, um, but that could be said for a lot of players at four. This is a very interesting draft. Um, yeah. After yeah. the combine, look." I an edge rusher at four, I don't think it's a reach because of a premium because he's a premium position. Um, mm-hmm. You know whether you like it depends what your flavor of the week is. If it's Carl Loftus, if it's Jermaine Johnson, like who knows? Like as we get closer to the draft, I think a lot of people didn't expect edge rusher to go as high. I want to say was it Deion Jordan? People thought was going to go a little bit lower, and he wound up going like three overall. Like it, it, these things kind of happen, and people wind up going a little bit higher than you would otherwise plan. So. Um, I don't think he's a reach, and I and from what I understand, Green Bean does not believe he's a reach uh, as well. Uh, Chris, Bucco, yeah, let me. Yeah, yeah. Well, on. let me just say it this way. I'm sorry, I know we're we're no, running over, but um, <laughs> let me just say it this way. We have two top ten picks. If you don't take Karloftis at four, and he won't make it to ten, mm-hmm. then it's not a reach. You know what I'm saying? That's like, a good way if to look he's at not going to. That's that's it. If you like Karloftis and you think ah, it's just a bit rich for him, and he's not going to make it to ten, then you take him. You know what I mean? That, that then it's not a reach. Now, if you're talking about taking a guy who because he's going to be picked twenty eight, then mm-hmm. yes, that's a reach. I think Karloftis at four, if you like him, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you don't want to you don't want to reach too far, but I do think that there is some some thought process there. And I think it's almost the same way that you have to look at the quarterbacks too. Like if you think Carolina is taking Kenny Pickett at what is it, six, is it a real reach if Detroit wants him at two? Or if they think Malik Willis might go at, at six or eleven, is it really that big of a reach to think they might want him at two because they know he's not gonna make it to pick thirty two at the end of the first round? I I don't think it's that big of a reach. I mean, he's not a top two player in the draft. I wouldn't put either quarterback, any quarterback, as a top probably 10 player in this draft. But because of the position they play, I think it's not a reach. And I think you can sort of look at the look at it the same way as Carl Loftus and, and some of the other edge rushers. Uh, Chris Bucco drops in the Super Chat, says, Edge at four, O-line at 10, gamble on Godwin and Njoku. I don't hate Oof. this at all. Um like I said, or like we've been saying, if you go Thibodeau four and you go with the, you know, green or, or someone like that, you know, I wouldn't even be opposed to really Linderbaum at 10 if you really wanted. If you're like, hey, this guy's like a lock top five, top 10 center. 
uh, for the next 10 years, you know, interior offensive line, sure, you know, I, I can get on board with it. Gambling on Godwin and Najoku, those are the two guys I would like to. Najoku, I would probably give like a one-year, four or $5 million contract to as kind of a prove-it deal because I don't think he's shown enough to, to rely on him. Godwin, I think, has shown enough to rely on. The ACL is really the only reason I wouldn't sign him. So if you are okay or think that he might be available at the start of the season or early in the season, or you think he's a guy that could be on this team for the next four or five years, um, yeah, I'm okay with it. I would be, I would be all right with it. Greenbean, how are your thoughts or what are your thoughts on edge four, O-line 10, and then gambling on Godwin and Njoku? I'm fine with all of it up to Njoku. I don't like him. Um, <clears throat> he has an uncanny ability of of uh, coming up lame when you need him not to. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's got like the, he's the exact opposite of somebody who rises to the occasion. He gets a lot of stats and stuff, but I, he just, he's the kind of guy, he's a jag to me. And mm-hmm. um, I'd hate to see us go that way for a position that's as valuable as it is and important as it is to this particular offense. I'd rather just, uh, I'd, I'd rather go to the draft and, and or get a tight end, um, I just don't like Njoku very much, but Godwin, I'm I'm fine with. I I like Godwin a whole bunch. I think the knee's going to be fine, mm-hmm. um, and I think the rest of it's great. Yeah, sure. Uh, all right, Greenbean. Now that you have the last week's stream pulled up, can you give me five names, Ooh. and we'll do this T-shirt giveaway. Uh, all right, yeah. I just scrolled down. I just scrolled down and let it land where it lands. Okay. <clears throat> so here we go. We have, I see a couple names that are actually here with us tonight, which is nice. Yeah, so yeah. we have Josh Scott. Josh sure. Scott first. Okay. Yep. Then we have Champ Star, all one word, 9669. Okay. Uh, CND758. Okay. Uh, Jin Pak, who is in the stream tonight. G I N P O C P O K. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And finally we have stud city seven, one, eight. He's in the chat as well. I feel like we're trying to get stud city a t-shirt. Cause I feel like <laughs> he's been on really? the damn thing. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. Cause I chuckle every time I see it, uh, but we'll see. Let's see if he winds up oh, winning. We got a little bit of uh, odds or evens to play. I actually, I have a new dynamic that I might introduce and it's a little spinning wheel. <laughs> that we could just throw some names on or maybe say like, okay, this or that, but we'll, we'll add that for another day. Okay. Green bean three, two, one. Evens are gone. Bam, bam, bam. Oh God. Raw power is one that like just makes me chuckle every time I read that name (laughs) and I just crossed them off. Unfortunately. Okay. Three, two, one, eight going evens again. Oh no, Stud City. <laughs> uh, okay, what do we got? One, oh, two, three, four. We got four guys left. Odds or evens? Three, two, one. Ooh, evens, evens, evens. Okay, okay. All right, we are down to just two. Chat, give us a number. Green bean. Three, two, one. Nine. Let's see what the chat gives us. 
Nine plus eight, that's gonna be an odd number. Okay, so our t-shirt winner for tonight is going to be Jerry Giannatos. Giannatos? Jerry Giannatos. Oh. Reach hey, out to congrats. me on social media, whether it be Instagram, Gmail, something like that. Hit me up with your information. I'll send you a t-shirt. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun. I love, God, I love my Tuesday. I love our Tuesday streams between the chat, yeah, you man. and Matt. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just a hell of a hell of a time. So Green Bean, talk to me. What else you got going on? Give your your uh, final words for our panel tonight. Uh, yeah, man, I agree. I love it here. It's the best in the world. I still can't believe we only have 260 likes with so many people watching. If you haven't liked it, go ahead and hit, hit that like button. It's so easy. Uh, we got the Thursday thick of it every Thursday, 8 p.m. on Green Bean Jets fan. This week, we have Jake Asman on the show with us. Uh, he'll be with us for one of the two hours, and it's going to be a good time. I hope you guys can uh, pop over and check it out. I love it. I love it. Boys and girls, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Like I said, leave a comment on this video if you want to be entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway, even if you uh, were already entered to this one. Who knows? Uh, and make sure you check us out on your favorite podcasting platform if you don't want to kill your battery and you want to listen to us on your way to work. Uh, but guys, it's been a lot of fun. My name's Ryan. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S!